Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. out there it is once again another edition of bandwagon nerds this is what is this guys the 97th installment of bandwagon nerds as we keep barreling down that highway towards 100 it is i the lawyer dave unger coming to you here on a lovely kayfabe sunday morning monday afternoon whatever the case may be Thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. This is going to be a special one. We got a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff going on today. Of course, I am not alone. I am here with a full, the plethora of Bandwagon Nerds talent. They're everywhere. Let's uh, kind of just looking at my screen going around the room. Let's begin with the one and only, the Reverend Ray Cash. Ray, back on the bandwagon. How are you doing, buddy? I'm, I feel good. You know, I got a chance to laugh at you. At you, uh, peons and and you troglodytes from my special famous box at at the Texan Stadium. 
uh, last week. So I'm 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 back with the people again this week. So it's good to good to be back with the common folk, the commoners, hanging out with the serfs and peons. That's that's how <laughs> that's how Ray does it, folks. So yeah, thanks. I'm, for- um, I missed y'all, but that look for the record. If you ever have the opportunity to go see any football game or any sports game in a suite, go do it. Changed my life. I have to be a millionaire now. The shit is crazy. I remember I did a skybox once at the old Capitol Center where they've got like two levels. You go downstairs and there's the bar going on and then you're upstairs watching the game. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? But it's it's something to behold. That's for sure. Uh, We are also pleased to welcome back to the Bandwagon Nerds podcast as we barrel towards episode 100. It makes sense to have the voice of Chair Shot Radio on here. Mr. Velvet Pipes himself, the one and only the baby maker, Christopher Platt. Greetings and citations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to be here with my fellow basement dwellers and mouth breathers and nerds. Always a pleasure to be on here. Um, real quick, y'all were talking about watching games in skyboxes. I had an opportunity many years ago to watch the Super Bowl that was taking place in Detroit. It's the one where uh, Pittsburgh and Seattle mm-hmm. played oh, at in a skybox. The, the bus retired that game because yeah. they one, yeah. Had an opportunity to go watch it in the skybox. The only caveat was I, I would have had to bang a fat fat chick, and I just I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I still kick myself about that, by the way. It's been 13 years now or something like that, and I still kick myself. I should have took that opportunity. I should have took one for the team and been up in the skybox watching the Super Bowl, you know? I'm, I'm revoking that new nickname I gave you. That's just not appropriate. Now, so. <laughs> God, just back to Mr. Velvet Pipes now. Of course, it wouldn't be bandwagon nerds without the live studio audience, the one and only PC Tunney. Mr. Tunney, how are you doing, man? Did you get dick for service or, or what are we doing here today? I'm just out here banging fat chicks for proper fucking uh, <laughs> upgrades. That's all, you know? <laughs> Flying wow. coach, want to fly first class? Bang a fat chick. Wow. <laughs> Ordered a Big Mac meal, want it supersized? Bang a fat chick. For the record, we cannot name that at this episode. We can't do that. <laughs> no, for the record, that's Something not wrong with your transmission. Bang a fat chick. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, wow. No, but seriously, if you ever get to a stadium and you <laughs> and you just freeze on the you internet. don't like oh, your there seat, you go. here he is. You froze I'm here. Up. Ray's gone. You froze up, man. Ray, everybody's here. You were saying something about I'm going here. to sta- suites and stadiums, and 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 you're trying to be serious. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like your seats, though, seriously, just bang a fat chick. All right, I'm done. No. <laughs> yes, this will not be the title of this oh, episode. Uh, our fearless leader, Patrick O'Dowd, who has probably turned this episode right off right about now, is uh, not here today. He is. Uh, he's playing with his son. So good for him. That's got to be. An improvement over talking about what we've just talked about, but hey, it's all good. So on this episode today, we are going to finish right off the bat. We are going to finish our review of This Is Pop, and then we'll move into Marvel's What If, a very interesting episode this week. We've got some big time trailers to review uh, that have key ramifications for this show. Got a little news around the Nerdosphere, a few little bites we're going to do. We've got a guest coming on today, guys. First time we've had a guest in a while. Andrew Davis from Pop Anime Comics will be coming on today to talk about Pop Anime Comics, and he's probably going to stick around with us for the final segment. We're bringing back the comic spotlight, sort of. We're going to talk comics movies, 
And we're going to have the great debate, guys. Uh, we're going to have the the discussion as to what is better, the Dark Knight trilogy or Infinity War Endgame. And the Reverend might have the answer of neither. And we'll throw something else out there that will swerve all of us. So I look forward to that. It, it's a conversation I've wanted to have with you guys for a while. It's, it's you know, and I, I kidded around. The reason it got in my head is because the fucking movies, all five of them have been like on TNT every single day for like, six months straight so it's like i've seen everything i can to see about the dark knight trilogy and infinity war and endgame and it's like oh we got to talk about it. uh-oh andy dalton questionable to return justin fields is in the bears are about to go undefeated the rest of the season 15 and 1 for mr o'dowd here you go so we'll see what happens but let's talk this is pop the final episode of the series it's been a an interesting ride. This this series has been eclectic to say the very least. They're covering a lot of different things. This episode, I don't know how you guys feel about it. A little bit difficult because the music that they're talking about is older than even me. And I'm fucking Methuselah over here. So if it's older than me, you know they're talking about some old ass shit. But they're talking about the Brill Building, an iconic location in New York City where just, I mean, it was like, I don't know what you guys thought. It was like a community college almost in this building that was focused entirely on music, making music, writing music, certainly pulling out big hits. And, and, and you know, you've got a, a lot of ties into a lot of the other topics that they've talked about, a lot of different movements. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting episode just because it's not the kind of music that a lot of us have. Pro- I mean, they're talking about classic songs, the Shirelles. Um, the Archies, I mean, I love Sugar Sugar. Let's get that out of the way right now. That's that when they played that song at the end, I popped for that. I was like, Yes, I love that song. Um, but what did you guys think of this episode? It is I, I agree, like Patrick last week had said, they should have ended on what a song can do. And this one should have been seven. What a song can do should have been eight. I after watching this, I completely agree with him. I don't think this is the best episode to close the series out on. But it's still an interesting episode. What did you guys think? Let's start with reverse order. Let's go. Well, you know, we'll go to Christopher Platt first. He looks like he's engaged. Uh, first and foremost, I totally agree with you all. Like, yeah, they should have flip flopped the order of the episodes and ended with last week's. Um, also, with all due respects to the Brill Building, I know a lot of hits came out of there. A lot of history was made. But I take umbrage with something that was said at the beginning of the episode, saying that all the music from the 50s and 60s came out the Brill Building. And to quote the great Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Like all the, the soundtrack of the 50s and 60s came out of Hitsville, USA, in Detroit, Michigan, also known as Motown. So let's just get that out the way up front. Um Big picture, though, the, the, the 50s are a very interesting time in American history for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, number one, uh, we're, we're, we're coming out of World War II, which led us out the Great Depression. TV is really starting to get popping off around this time. And an interesting thing is, well, number one, kids always worked. But the difference here is, you know, back in the day before this time period, it was, OK, I got to drop out of school at fifth grade to go work in the coal mines to help my family out. You know what I mean? But in the 50s, this was the first generation of American teenagers that had disposable income. And then and the advertisers, advertisers rather, they kind of corrected course because of that. So you've got the automobile industry. 
as well as the music industry. And it, they're really focused on and centered on getting that teenage dollar, getting that ch- children's dollar. And the funny thing about the music is that's a trend that persists even to this day. You know, it's a it, it seems to be a young person's game, you know. Yeah. And they talked about that on the episode that I think it was Stevie Van Zant was talking that they had, uh, you know, you didn't have child labor laws. So kids were working like adults and they had no concept of what the hell is leisure time because they were all, you know, if you're look, if you're old enough to stand up, you're old enough to get your ass in that factory and work. So, you know, that was kind of the mentality back then. And then and then it gradually, you know, you did get the actual creation of the concept of i mean obviously chronologically teenagers have existed since man started walking the earth but the concept of teenagers is kind of like we think about them really didn't come about until this era of music began and 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 there i mean look teenagers were hugely influential on the progression of music you look at the the beatles the movement you know the beatles aren't the beatles without a bunch of teen girls screaming and going crazy so that you you can't downplay that sort of thing, uh, but yeah, you raise a good point. It's um, and I, I like Neil Sedaka. My mom used to love Neil Sedaka. I think guy's got a hell of a voice. He's one of those guys who, like, we were talking about. Patrick and I were talking on the Chair Shot Radio about people who have voices that don't quite match up with their singing voice. But Neil Sedaka sounds the same when he's talking or singing, so that's kind of cool. Ray, what'd you think of this episode of This Is Pop? Well, first and foremost, I appreciate the fact that Stevie Van Zant finally grew up and is reverenced as Steven now. I pop hard for that. That that gave me a good laugh. Um, secondly, you know, you know things sometimes, and then when someone says it, it blows your mind, even though you knew it. And I knew that there was a time that teenagers weren't really a thing. And uh, just hearing that explained to me kind of, again, blew my mind. I was like, well, damn, it's a great point. I think Platt pointed out probably the most salient point about the episode, which may be why it was the last episode of this series. And that's this may have been the origins of pop as we know it, this time period, right? Because pop music traditionally is catered to the teenage fan because they're the ones that kind of latch on to a culture or latch on to a music and make it big and everything kind of follows from there. This is the first, this is really the first group of people concurrently with Hitsville USA that uh, kind of catered to that, to that age range. Um, I, I, the reason I love the series is because I learned things I didn't know. And I appreciate that. I couldn't give a fuck less about this episode. It was cool to learn some shit. It was cool to see some stuff. It was cool to know things I like about the Brill Building and Sugar Honey Honey and... Um, the Oh No song by the the Shangri-Las, because that's a, that's a meme, right? That song, that drop is a meme everywhere, but I never knew where the song came from. But ultimately, you know, we're all wrestling fans. We're all music fans. The pacing of your show or your series matters. And to end on this, I couldn't have cared less. I was so ready to turn it off because I was like, you know, with all respect to the music, you're not you're not teaching me anything. I'm learning things, but there's nothing that feels pertinent that I can say, man, I needed to know that, yeah. you know, yeah. and unfortunately, all the other episodes, even the country episodes, there were things that I could say, damn, I needed to know that. But there was nothing on this episode that I needed to know. It was just kind of like, a, hey, well, in case you didn't know this happened, it happened. I right, cool. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, and I agree with you to a great extent. Um, I I think we've stressed right now to the showrunners that you guys should have switched the order up because this was not how you want to end a series. Um, on this one, I mean, it was cool kind of learning about the Brill Building and and what it is, and the fact mm-hmm. that you got this historical landmark that's probably going to get subsumed by the urban sprawl that is New York City, which is unfortunate. And you got Andy Kim sitting out there, and and he's the guy still looks great for his age. He can still sing that rendition of Sugar Sugar at the end with everybody involved was fantastic. That was pretty cool. That, that was, was pretty, pretty cool. dope. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a tough episode just because it's like when you think about the progression of the episodes and it's hard because this is pop. You know, the one thing about that is there is no continuity to it. It's just kind of, you know, everything's standing alone. Uh, Tony, did you watch this? Did you have any thoughts on this episode? No, that's fine. Thank you. PC. (laughs) Thank you, Tony. Yes. Um, But yeah, that's, that'll put an end to it. This is pop Uh, overall thoughts on the series. Gentlemen, I know, it's it was it was a good series. It was very informative. It, it is, I would say, a little uneven. I, I I think that's a fair statement that it just kind of because there was no continuity. Some episode, and that's the thing about music. It's so subjective. Some episodes resonated with with Ray differently than they resonated with me, or they d- resonated with Chris or Pla- or Patrick or anything like that. You are my candy girl, and you got me Thank you. <laughs> anything, uh, anything, you guys, uh, your final thoughts on the series? Uh, like, like I said, it, it, it means all the music means something different to everybody, you know, and, and I think that's probably the best compliment you can give the series is that it was able to reach all of us on a different level on an episode by episode basis. So in that respect, excellent stuff. Ray, your final thoughts on this is pop. You said it was an uneven, and I think it should have been, because this was not aimed or or pointed at one particular demographic. This was aimed. This was a, a documentary, like you said. There was no continuity with, between the episodes. Hell, every episode had a different narrator, right? Um, but it was meant for. If you liked one episode, great. If you liked eight episodes, great. If you liked five or six, great. But all of them are going to teach you something, and all of them are pointed towards a different demographic. The beauty of it and the reasoning behind all that, I think, is because pop is not a monolith. Pop music encompasses everything. So you're going to have to talk a little metal. You're going to have to talk a little Neil Sadaka. You're going to have to talk a little boys to men, and then you're going to have to talk some country. You're going to have to talk festivals, and then you're going to have to talk um, ABBA. protest songs and ABBA. It's, so uh, it was a very beautiful way to look at it. And just because I didn't care about a particular episode didn't mean that there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that did. And so I appreciate it that much because when you when you're that bold to do that, you got to stand by it. And so while we're all sitting there saying it shouldn't end with this, I guarantee you that there is four men somewhere else saying, damn, I'm sure glad they gave Neil Sadaka uh, his, his flowers while he's alive. You know what I mean? So I appreciate I appreciate it. And by the way, um, I'm very thankful that you guys made me watch this because I would have never watched it. I would have watched the the T-Pain episode, I'm sure. But I would have never watched this thing from start to bottom. But I've learned so much and my my knowledge of music has been enriched. And that's part of the reason why I love this show, because you guys take me out of my comfort zone and force me to do things I would have never done. 
and I'm better as a, I think as a, a music fan for having watched for having watched this show and I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah, I hope season two's first episode is death metal for Ray. So there you go. That that's ah! That's Guar. Give me an episode on Guar and how they like killing the pigs and shit. Let's go. Fucking cradle of filth and some shit like that going on. Raise, <laughs> raise in there. Platt, uh, your thoughts on this uh, on this series? You know, Dave, I, I actually agree with what you said, man. I thought that it was a, a little uneven. Like, I appreciate the ambition that went into the project, and I'm glad that people did were able to learn things that they didn't know before. But and the highs were high, but overall, I, I kind of see it as meh. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they come back with a season two and some of the stories that they want to tell. But, you know, kudos to them for taking on this type of endeavor. But overall, I, I give it thumbs in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think Ray's right. It was meant to be uneven because you're tackling a, an imp- nearly impossible topic to pop music is so diverse that it ha- almost had to be uneven. But, yeah, it, it is really it is it is a it's going to be a subjective sort of thing as far as how. It resonated with you, Tony. I forget. Did you watch any of this series or bits and pieces of it? <laughs> no, or? I, I did. I watched about half the episodes. You know, it's funny. You think about living in Southeast Wisconsin, and you don't necessarily think about being at the epicenter of one of the biggest parts of music, which is we hold the biggest music festival in the world every single year here at Summerfest, and that just wrapped up last night, right? Uh, Guns and Roses, I think, closed that out. And it's just a testament to the different acts that they bring in, whether it's pop or country or rock like that or classic, anything. You know, uh, they even had Dave Chappelle down there, did a set for him over the over the weekend. So all sorts of things. But music, it connects everybody. It's something that everybody can, you can kind of feel what the other person's feeling. Even if you don't like what they like, you can understand it because there's something that you feel the same way about passionately when it comes to music. So it's always great to have gatherings of people and listening to music, concerts, festivals, whatever it is, whether it's pop or whatever kind of music you like. So I wish somebody would have done a documentary on the 20 year anniversary of all the amazing sound that came out of American rock uh, 20 years ago uh, in like a six week span in August and September that's the kind of documentary I would like to see, but a lot of this was pretty good. <clears throat> uh, yeah, we'll just have to look forward to the next thing musically that we're going to tackle. It is a critically. Sh- so go ahead, Chris. Sorry. My bad, man. I just wanted to give a shout out to Andy Kim. Not only is he a, a legendary artist, but he just looked cool as shit. Like in this yeah. episode, like I just said, this motherfucker look cool as shit, man. Like this type of guy, I would love to sit down and have a drink with and just chop it up with. You know, what is he, he looked like. Gotta be. Gotta be. It looked like he was going to he was going to open up his jacket and show me like a whole bunch of fake ass watches. What he looked like. Especially standing on that fucking right in that construction zone in New York City. That's like, damn, you've ever been down there. You know that that's not raised right on point with that. That Hey, I got some watches for you. I got a set of Ginsu <laughs> knives I can give you, too, baby. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. got what you need, baby. Come on, I got yeah, what come you on. need. Sign the treaty, baby. I'll sign everything. <laughs> Pop. Uh, sign the treaty, baby. I'll suck your dick, <laughs> Mister President, sir. That's not how we do business here. Anyway. Um, it is a peace in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah let, him, let, let him finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, peace, I, and, peace and I was on a line before, yeah, right? Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm the asshole, right? <laughs> Bang a fat chick. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, somebody's just not going to let that go. But I, I think this is pop. Is um, it is a critically acclaimed series, so got a lot of love from the critics, as it should. It is a you know Netflix when they do these docu series, they usually hit a home run, and I think they got at least a triple out of this one. So I'm I'm cool with it. Let's move on though, Tony. Are you ready to cue that Marvel music, baby? Because we are going to talk some what if. What if this week, I don't remember which number this is, and it doesn't matter because this six, six number six, number six, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? My gentlemen, this episode, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was the most troubling one to me. And that's saying something after the zombies last week that this one troubled me more than that one did because it's basically Killmar- Killmonger starting World War Three, more or less for his own kind of. I don't know what his motivations were, where his end game was in this thing, but it's a uh, wow. What a great episode where <laughs> Killmonger rescues Tony, infiltrates Stark Industries to set up these killer robots and position them against Wakanda. Then he plays that he infiltrates Wakanda, gets them to think that he's on their side. And I, it's like, what is he, a quintuple agent at this point by the end of this fucking episode? I, I don't even know anymore. Um Tony, you I know you messaged something about this earlier in the week. You really enjoyed this. This episode was so important to Tony that he now wants something connecting all this shit, uh, which I don't know if we're going to get that. But uh, your thoughts on this episode, PC? I mean, it, it was it, I love the episode. It, it is concerning as to, wow, <laughs> just to switch a few things around. And all of a sudden you've got Killmonger basically in charge uh, with his finger on the button proverbially. What did you think of this one? I, you know, it's it's it was another great episode, right? I still think the week before with Doctor Strange is their best episode yet, and the one that left me wanting to know more about what was going to happen next in the story with the zombies and and Thanos being a zombie and everything. But here was probably the best, most star-studded voice cast, in my opinion. With all the people you had back, I mean, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Chadwick Boseman was on there, Angela Bassett, Don Cheadle, um, who's the white guy with the hair? Uh, I can't remember the character. That the white guy with hair, guys. You got anything? You got it? White Dave Ongar. <laughs> it was, certainly wasn't PC Tunney. So anyway, uh, but I, no, I, about I just, Bridges, I just huh? yeah, I think so. Jeff he Bridges didn't have hair. hair. Happy no, Hulk, maybe? They, you talking about John Favreau? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Plus vision. Um, I mean, it was just a good episode. I My whole thing is, and I'm kind of getting away from the episode and, and talking about everything in general with what if, I think I came to the conclusion that I think the coolest thing would be if each season was just the next episode in each what if. So next year's season 
would be the second part of episode one, which whatever that was. And then, you know, we, I think it was Captain America thing, right, Peggy? So you'd get the second. So over the years, if you did 10 years, you'd get a full season of that what if over 10 years. I think that could be really interesting because not only could you draw from everything you have in the past, but you could put implement things into that that they affect moving forward with the MCU as well as, over time. So it's just a really interesting concept. And, and to keep it away from um, the actual MCU inside of um, the, the, the theaters and the movies, just to keep it animation, but to cross over with the voices and everything else. It's just been amazing. The, the Doctor Strange episode for season two is going to be 35 minutes of black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It wasn't a whole lot uh, that they were going to get out of that. That's that's uh, that's true. Christopher, what did you think of this episode? You know, Dave, as much as I loved the zombie episode last week, I think this was my favorite episode. It was interesting to see Tony not have that come to Jesus moment in the cave. You know what I mean? So he's still the same egotistical, you know, guy that he was, and hard ultimately drink, his hard hu- drinking guy. Yeah. yeah, and ultimately, ultimately his hubris. Call, you know, caused harm for everybody, like fucked everything up. But you know, it, it, somebody explained to me why Killmonger is is the villain here. I, I mean, it, it, it's are his methods a little heavy handed? Sure, of course. But I mean, his dad, or excuse me, his uncle kills his dad. His family abandons him and leaves him, you know, to fend for itself in the streets of Oakland. Which, by the way, that's the what if I want to see. What if MC Hammer, Oakland's own MC Hammer? took young Eric on tour. That's wow. the if I want to see. Wow. <laughs> Killmonger, young Killmonger with parachute pants. You can't touch this. <laughs> parachute pants and a juice box in the background. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. But, and, you know, he was abandoned by his family, left for dead, and his whole life is spent trying to fulfill his father's ambitions, which is to arm and to uplift oppress people around the world i mean basically this story is basically filled of dreams but with vibranium okay <laughs> i mean <laughs> you can't you can't kill all the white folk though bro that's that's kind of this this the one caveat like all the rest of it he's a superhero until he's like hey kill all the white folk uh, that's a little that's a little genocidal just a little bit just a little bit just a little bit of genocide never heard nobody this <laughs> just, just a dash, yeah. you know what I mean? Fact, it's, it's, it's random, bro. It's not genocide. It's random. You heard Thanos few episodes back. It's random. That's what it's <laughs> Nothing about a sprinkle of genocide that won't make your Sunday. So that's all right, man. Ray, what did you? I mean, this episode. I mean, what what was Killmonger's? What is his end game here? Is it the mutual destruction of everybody, or or who who is is he just out for himself? Because he's certainly not on the side of Wakanda or the United States military. See, that's the problem with when you write characters like Killmonger who have such a very pointed and particular goal because of something that happened to them. There's never an end because he's never going to be happy with himself until he deals with whatever he's dealing with personally. So all the killing, my man out here looking like Victor Zaz with all the little scrapes on his body. You know what I'm talking about? And he's still not happy. And he can kill all of Wakanda. He can liberate every person that's got a hint of melon in their body. All the white folk can die. And still, he ain't going to be cool with himself because he ain't never dealt with his dad dying. Right? Now, that's that's another what if. 
Uh, nonetheless, I take a little umbrage to the title of the, of the episode. I'll tell you why. I understand Tony Stark is the MCU. There is no MCU without Tony Stark. He is the he is the golden child of Marvel when it comes to a cinematic point. But the episode What If Killmonger Saved Tony Stark is disingenuous. The episode should be called What If Killmonger Carried Out His Vision. Because literally, this episode was about this man having a 20-year plan, however long it was, for him to go all the way through Annapolis, all the way through the every single form of military to get to the point where he's he's one of the ghosts that they call him to be in Afghanistan f- finding out the Ten Rings, to go find Obadiah Stan and all the stuff he did, to save Tony, then to flip it and work for all that long to get all the stuff with Tony, and to flip it, then to go to Wakanda and trick the old man, who you know don't trust nobody anyway, because he was the second the Avengers did once again, like he said, ban them all. He don't trust nobody. All that. And then by the, like, that's the episode. Um... But as is life, art imitates life oftentimes. I love that the two traditional heroes of the episode are the women. Pepper and Shuri knew this dude was full of shit the entire time. Like the entire time. I'm Once telling y'all, yeah. man, it was it, it was filled of dreams, but with vibranium. Man, I found the episode rather heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> vibranium, you have to and a little spritz. Of genocide. genocide. That's right. But it, it's not genocide. It's random. Well, no, actually, Thanos <laughs> was really random. My man really pointed out like who who got to go. So it was a little less random. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> stuff about it that I I you know noticed, and it's like okay, so World War Three was going to be Wakanda versus the United States military, which is like, well, I didn't see that one coming. Um, the other that's thing, a hell of a battle though, because you know the, the U.S. we trump tight, man, but we kind of got all the technology uh, okay, and whatnot. I mean, that, that's look, a that's a hell of a battle. The Dora Milaje was wiping out these fucking droids and drones with vibranium spears. So yeah, I don't think that we're going to fare so well in that battle. But uh, the one thing that was interesting about this that I wanted to ask you guys about is T'Challa dies in this episode, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a sensitive subject. Although we know that's probably coming. In Black Panther 2, do you guys think that they were maybe trying to condition us for that inevitability in the in the live studio by portraying that and that sort? Even though you got you know that moment between T'Challa and and Killmonger in the ethereal plane, um, did you guys see anything that they are doing with that that's trying to maybe get us used to this notion of T'Challa not being around? No, because, I mean, this was filmed, you know, way prior to his untimely and unfortunate demise. Like, I don't know what happened in the edit room. Maybe they edited that to make it seem like that. I just feel like it has a lot more gravitas and a lot more weight to it because we, we do know how the story is. But I, honestly, I think it was just purely coincidental. And and keeping with Killmonger's actual story, the goal was always T'Challa got to go. It was He thought he killed T'Challa when he threw him off the cliff. But, you know, Mbaku yeah. saved the boy. So like the plan was always to kill T'Challa. The sad, the, the I think the the actual sad one was when Rhodey had to die. That and that's the one that was not talked about enough. But Rhodey had to go, and he didn't have to go, but because Rhodey believed in the same things that Killmonger believed, just a different way. I was like, nah, bro, too late. I'm already I'm I'm already gone. The wife I've already picked my white folk. They all got to go. Yeah. So which is 
which is why it's hard to paint Killmonger as a villain because I mean his uncle he watched his uncle kill his dad and then they just left him for dead out in the streets of Oakland. Even like you mentioned, even Barack T'Challa was like, Daddy, that was not the right. Like, what did you do? Like even, even he was T'Challa. <laughs> even he was like, yo, that's kind of fucked up, man. That that is family, you know. I think there's oh, a I title. It, there's a title I for the episode. It, Barack T'Challa. No, I think it's T'Challa Obama. Oh man! Wow. And I I didn't know that. You no, know, the boys had had to see. Now you now you bring back the birthday shit because you know now he's gonna say that Barack from Wakanda. You just messing shit up, Platt. <laughs> That's right. You're not from Honolulu. You're from Wakanda. So. You know. Hey man, Trump had the birth certificate, and they can't lie on the internet. And Trump is honest, so. Trump's, you know, honest dude. Oh, yeah. Straight up dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. No doubt. So A stand-up guy, you know. So, yeah, another really solid episode of What If? And, I mean, you know, they keep they keep getting in, more interesting each week. What uh, Do we know what's left, Ray, at this point? There's, I think it's eight. So the last episode clearly is they're building up to um, some sort of convulsion of all the people. But I know we've seen a lot of Thor in some of these commercials. So is there a Thor episode coming up, maybe? Uh, I'm I'm searching now. I'm pulling the PC Tony and searching now. Yeah, I wonder if the last episode, are they actually going to try and create Why? I do here. some sort of continuity? No, that was, a, I was, that was a, I was bigging up you. You're, you're, a, you're a research person. Oh. Yeah, you're a research intern, live studio audience. There you go. So <laughs> You know what? Speaking of interns, Bill Clinton banged a fat chick. Come on, dog. <laughs> she wasn't even that fat. And shame on uh, FX for the casting. I thought the People vs. O.J. Simpson casting was bad. This shit takes the goddamn cake. Let me one, tell, they got this. Go ahead. Chris. Let me Go tell ahead, you then. something, Chris. He did not have sexual relations with that woman. The cigar <laughs> did, though. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Thor. Monica. Party shout Thor is, is seven, by the way. Oh, I, I thought it was what, what if Thor found DDPY and Jenny Craig, but shout out to Monica Lewinsky, man. She's got a, she's a good sport about all of this. You know what I mean? She really is. And I mean, every woman when they were 21 got a dick they regret sucking. It just so happens yours wasn't the president's. You know what I mean? She's the executive producer. One of the executive producers for this for this season. Hey, get your money. Get your money, Monica. Hey, you got any way to stay relevant, you know, in this day and age is is a good thing. So what would you say episode seven was, Ray? Episode seven is Party Thor. Party Thor? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's all it says. As if Fat Thor wasn't bad enough. Now we're going to have Thor on fucking LSD. This ought to be fun. Well, Thor always Let's go party. Come on, Asgard. Let's go party. I just want to see. Son. I want to see Thor do mushrooms with John Cena, like in that one movie, Ray. Oh, word! Oh, oh vacation, no, friends. vacation friends. Yeah. Shout out to vacation friends. That shit was funny as hell. That shit is funny, man. Uh, yeah. Andrew W. Thor. <laughs> y'all, y'all caught that reference? Thank you. I'm not. I'm not too old. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for yes. Wait up. Way to way to way to turn that joke into an onion, Ray. Hey, Thor, well butt, done. Thor will butt chug salt water Layer. too, Tony. Just saying. <laughs> hey, hit it! Oh, I butt God. chug salt water all the time. Thank you, hey! thank you, Odin son, for that. 
promotional <laughs> announcement right there. Speaking of promotional <laughs> announcements, let's take our first commercial break at this point in time. Christopher, you're here. Will you do the honors of letting everybody know about all the great chair shot stuff going on? Hey, I say it week in and week out, and it bears repeating. If you all appreciate the content we provide day in and day out here at The Chair Shot, the best way to make sure we keep providing that content you love here day in and day out here at The Chair Shot is by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. We literally have something for everybody. Hashtag journalism. Jesus did the job. Save tag team wrestling. Baron Corbin sucks, which is oddly relevant again. Like, it, it, it goes in cycles. You know what I mean? It's back to relevance. So you can go get that. That's what's hot in the streets right now. And many, many other cool designs. All you have to do is go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. And by perusing ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot, I can guarantee you, you're going to find something that you absolutely love. And all you have to do is go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Please and thank you. Thank you. And please, thechairshot.com. We are not just a website, folks. We're a movement. Now we're going to pay some bills and keep it real. We'll be black in two and two. Thanks, Chuck. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds on Chairshot Radio Network. We now return you to your host, the lawyer, the one and only aggressive attitude man himself, Big Dave Ungar. Yay! All right, so. 
Patrick's gone. You're the closest thing to an authoritative figure. I know you don't enjoy that, and we don't think of you that way, but today you just have to bear the brunt. I'll take it. I will take all the booze I can get. But you know what else I'm going to take? I'm going to take some banjos, boys, because we are heading to the trailer park. Yeah. Fellas, we got two mega trailers this week. Uh, I'm going to reverse the order. I know Ray, this will disappoint Ray a little bit, but I want to reverse the order that I listed in the rundown because I want to cover it chronologically as to what's happening. We finally, finally, finally got the trailer for season two, Lock and Key. And on top of that, not only did we get the trailer, we got a shocking announcement that out of nowhere, this damn thing, season two dropping October 22nd. Of 2021, not 2027, not even 2022, 2021. So obviously they kept a lot of shit under wraps and they said, they Here kept you go. it on lock and key. They kept it on lock. That's for sure. And, and now they've got the key. Uh, <laughs> very nicely done, PC Tony. And, you know, since you're speaking up and since you were the one who got us into lock and key in the first place, yes, I'm going to kick it to you. This trailer, what did you think of what's going on? I mean, there's some different characters in there. I'm not sure exactly how to unpack. Ray, have you seen Lock and Key yet, or do you have to binge that bitch? I ain't seen one episode minute iota, but apparently that they Lock and Key is not a euphemism. It's quite literal. I wasn't expecting that. You should watch it with your girls. I think they would really enjoy it. It's very family, but it doesn't hurt the story. Right, uh, you got a month. Honest, you got a month to get it done, Ray. Because it, we're definitely it'll, covering that. It'll fly, it'll fly by. Your girls will beg to watch it if you guys want to watch stuff together like that. Um, I didn't see the trailer, Dave. I didn't do any of my homework. I've been so freaking busy. Uh, not an excuse, but I just didn't. Uh, Go watch I, it I can't right wait. Now. I'll come back to you. Go watch it. It's two minutes. Right, Go watch right, it right all now. All right, bye. God okay, damn bye. it. <laughs> Chris, did you watch the trailer? Did you, either of you guys fuck watch the trailer? Damn, to Lock God and damn it! Fuck me. Yes, I have neither watched the trailer nor the show. I know Tony. Tony been trying to get me into it for the oh, longest. You and Amber, I, this is like a baby making show, bro. Yeah, yeah. I saw the little kids, and I was like, Nah, I'm I'm good. Well, <laughs> I'm I Jesus. I watched the trailer. All right. So I'm sure you're Just like, now. what the shit is going on? No, no. I actually watched it earlier this morning when I got the rundown. Um, and yeah, I'm absolutely completely and utterly confused however once again i want to point out that the fact that lock and key is a is not a euphemism but it's literal blows my mind like they unlock they neck and like the word like they change that's completely i thought it was about a dude named like like christopher lock or some shit well, ironically, that like, was that was true. There was a guy whose last name was Locke, and the kids from the first season are their last names are Locke. But yeah, there's a bunch of keys. They all do different things. 
they all have different powers. Overriding all of this is one central character whose name is, what is it, Dodge, right, Tunny? That was her name, right? Tunny's got his headphones off. I'll talk to him about yeah, he's it. Listening. So I think her name was Dodge, and you see her at the beginning with the guy who unlocks a key in his chin and turns into Dodge, and then there you go. Yeah, Tunny's all excited about this. So, uh, and and it's it's... You don't see too many of the protagonists, not too many moments where you actually see the kids from season one. Um, so it's it's doesn't Tony's. Are you back now? I'm here. All right. So I was just telling Ray they're, about it. They're making a new fucking key on their own. Dude. Yes, they're forging a whole new key. We don't know uh, what this is going to uh, unlock. Uh, now that you've seen it, you were the guy who got us into lock and key. Your thoughts, season two coming, you got a little, you know, you see at the beginning, Dodge shows up again, and obviously she, it, whatever the fuck Dodge is, is up to no good. <laughs> we didn't see a whole lot of the kids from the first one in the trailer, did you? I didn't, I don't remember seeing, who was it? What's the kid's name, Cody? No, you see, you see a few of them, but I think it's going to, it looks like it's going to circulate more around the actual family. Um, I, so we're introducing a new key. Maybe this is replacing a key that they couldn't find or what's going on. Dodge, it looks like obviously the, the, the focal point of this entire season. So uh, coming back to finish what they started, I mean, I'm guessing Dodge is trying to get away from some way being cursed of being stuck at this house in that well and things of that nature. So I'm super excited for it. Honestly, Chris, just watch the trailer, like go back and search the trailer for season one. I think you would really like it. I mean, it's it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, fuck you, I'm not going to watch it. But eventually when you do, you're like, God <laughs> damn it, that was fucking amazing. So, and it's definitely something we're going to be covering here. It's Dave, we're going to, what are we going to have to do? Cover Witcher and Lock and Key uh, a couple times well, uh, together? Mean, this is the way, the way it's shaping up right now is we've got Doom Patrol dropping this week for season three. You got Lock and Key in October. You got what's coming up in November, which we are about to talk about. And then you got The Witcher, I think, is coming in December, right? So on top of that, you got Eternals and Spider-Man No Way Home. So no shortage of of anything happening here. But uh, but yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, Did you expect, honey, do you expect it to drop in October 22nd out of no literally like an RKO and out of nowhere? Season two drop date out of nowhere. You know what, though? If if you have a a, a capable director and and talent that's readily available for you, um, a lot of this stuff has to have been pretty much already written. Considering that's something that you can do, and you can actually you can actually work with other people easily during the pandemic on writing. Like I think that was something that a lot of things are ready to go and and being fast tracked like that. So I don't know. I I didn't expect this soon. I'm not surprised that it was ready this soon i'm surprised they put it out this soon i guess well yeah and the other thing to keep in mind is there's like five volumes of graphic novels from from the comics so there's a shit ton of source material that they can draw from that you know you figure that this is going to follow that in some respect i haven't read any of of the of the um yeah i haven't read any of the uh the comics yet i want to though it's on my list of stuff to do so, yeah, Lock and Key, Season 2, coming October 22nd. Super excited about that. Let's get to the other trailer that I want to talk about, which is what... This is the Ray Cash special, baby. Because we got the first trailer for the brand-new MCU series, Hawkeye. Ray's favorite character... Oh, Tony's telling me I'm frozen. God. I tried to do it without alerting 
here. You, yeah. no, there's nothing discreet about this, man. It's all fucked up. So, uh, um, but yeah, we got we got the Hawkeye trailer, which according to Raymond Cash, just before the Reverend notified us on uh, uh, some inf- interesting news that Hawkeye is now the most liked trailer of any of the MCU live action series so far. Over eight hundred thousand likes. Staggering. Everybody loves archers, baby. I tell Let's you, go. it's it's arrow all over, man. But even bigger. So Ray Hawkeye's your boy. I know he's your boy. Why don't you tell us all about this trailer coming? What is what it is? October twenty fourth. Is that it? Thanksgiving. No, week? November. Yeah, November, November twenty fourth. Thanksgiving yes. week. So yes, yeah, it's going to be here before you know it, Ray. How excited about are you for this series? Uh, you know, if you're excited, do we need to feel your nipples? How excited are you about all this stuff? Baby? You think my you think my nipples are hard? Ooh, we. Um, it's just cold it's, um, in the house, Dave. That's all. Just cold uh, in the house. Look, hey, have you got to make it work for yourself? I have waited since 2010 for a Hawkeye series, something to give my man some type of appreciation because the a lot of people think Hawkeye is my favorite character because of the purple connection. Purple is my favorite color. I'm a Ravens fan, such and such. Hawkeye is my favorite character because the Matt Fraction comic book comic series of the life of an Avenger with Hawkeye, which is what this entire series, this entire series is kind of loosely based on is easily, easily the greatest series I've ever read in my life. If you read the series, you will instantly fall in love with Clint Barton, with Kate Bishop, with Lucky the Pizza Dog, even the tracksuit Draculas. Like everybody involved is just so mesmerizing in a way that you'd never expect. So to finally see my boy, who was an OG Avenger, finally get his moment in the sun and to bring in who's one of the coolest new characters Marvel's created in the past 10, 20 years, Kate Bishop. Finally get them to see their due. I'm so hyped. First and foremost, the idea of this being like Marvel's diehard because it's based around Christmas is fantastic. Another thing that's interesting to me is that Hawkeye is considered a former Avenger. If you remember, he retired after uh, Age of Ultron, but came out of retirement because of Civil War. Thanks, Cap got arrested, then got released, had to be a good dad, and all of a sudden, the good dad ended up making him kill, like, genocide, do genocide in, like, five continents, because everybody died. It's still still random. That's right. Genocide is always random. (laughs) Random genocide. You got catching up to Mags and the genocide talk that he brings to Radio Techers. Shout out to Mags. Ask him about that, Ray. That's actually a thing. I will. So the there's so many parallels to the comics. First and foremost, the beauty of the comics is it shows all the other Avengers essentially are superpowered humans or aliens or or mutants. And he's a guy with the bow and arrow. And it shows him and how he really lives his life. The tracksuit uh, Draculas are hilarious and fantastic. Kate Bishop is completely she has an allure about her that's so interesting, and it's interesting to see that um, she kind of got into the Avengers by pretending to be Hawkeye, and now she's pretending to be Ronan, which is kind of how uh, Clint recognizes something may right. And that even references a newer version of the Hawkeye comic in which 
there was another Ronin, and everybody was like, it can't be you, Clint. Also, add to the fact that there is no uh, Linda Carter, whatever, his wife ain't in it. Just the kids. Is there something involved with that? Um, so, Nelly. Thank you. I, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. But you see a very small hint of Vera Farminga, who is Eleanor Bishop, Kate's mom, who is... I'll let you guys figure that out if you don't already know in the comics. Um, you see a little bit of Clown, who's a mercenary. Uh, it's just... You see a little bit of Echo, who is um, a deaf superhero. And by the way, Clint is going deaf. And that's one of the reasons why he's such a big superhero for a lot of people, because he's one of the first actual deaf superheroes. And so, because he's he's literally deaf in one of his ears. He wears a... Um, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about earring aid. Yes, I'm so excited. It looks so dope. It looks fun because the Hawkeye series is usually fun, um, and you're gonna love Kate Bishop. And if they de- if they do one episode dedicated to Lucky the Pizza Dog, there's an episode. There's a there's a, a, a issue of the Hawkeye series that is completely narrated by the dog. I'm going to make pizza dogs tonight in honor of this conversation, to be honest with you. Please do. Yes. I mean, I'm going to use King Hawaiian's hot dog buns. I'm going to grill some brats up. I'm going to use marinara, provolone, a little Italian seasoning. You know what's happening. I'm with it. Shout out to Lucky the Pizza Dog. My only disappointment is that because the series was so good, I was so disappointed when I found out that Hawkeye was married. Because in the series, Hawkeye banging him left and right. So... Well, you can't, you can't he's not just, quite Dick Grayson, but you know he's you he's he's close to it. A slut across every fucking platform, Ray. It's got to be random, like genocide. You know that's that's how it's got to be. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> what There's if you a, combine? What if you combine Pizza Dog and Dick Grayson? You'd have Pizza Dick. Only you would think of that. Only that, that's the stuff that, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, this is what goes through PC Tony's mind. Yeah, yeah it's it's well, a, it's, better, it's a scary place to be. Better than Dog Grayson. No one cares about that. Dog Grayson. <laughs> Random no. genocide and Dog Grayson. Anyway, um, so I, I, I'll, I'll talk about this all day. Please, I stop me. Nah, so yeah, <laughs> there's too many of them. I I love the trailer. I thought this show looks really fun. I like love the Christmas theme. Very good timing that they're going to bring this out right at Thanksgiving and bring you right into the holiday season. Conspicuous by the absence in the trailer, nothing about Yelena Belova. You know that's coming. There's a reckoning coming. So they didn't they didn't spoil any of that, but you know that that is about to happen. There's the pizza dog right there. Excellent. Uh, that's that's not that's not lucky. That is a dog with pizza yeah, in his mouth. Just that's not lucky, the pizza Wait, dog. Wait, Ray, is that just a random dog? Is there random dogs, right? See I mean, if there's random genocide, it's got to be random dogs, right? <laughs> Platt, what do you think of this trailer, man? Are, are you a Hawkeye fan? Are you into this, or, or what do you think of this? You know, I like Hawkeye, and I think it's funny because I, in my head, I can see the parallels between John McClane and Clint Barton. You know, I mean, on the diehard side of the game. I mean, these are two ordinary guys that always seem to find themselves in extraordinary situations. But, Dave, you kind of took the wind out my sails, brother, because that was the point, the part that I was going to bring up that Scarlett or not Scarlett, well, Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Um, <laughs> Natasha's sister was um, conspicuously absent from the trailer because you know that's that's going to be a come to jesus moment at some point in time you know what i mean they ain't going to spoil that quite yet but uh 
<laughs> yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, man. That 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 series is going to be something to see. Seeing, I, I just I just wonder Elena and Kate. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to be the moment where you know they're you know you you got Clint and you got Kate facing down Elena, and if Clint just looks at her and say "Yippee Kaye, motherfucker," that's going to be awesome. Man. Pop, <laughs> pop. I can't wait for that, Tony. Uh, I know so you bet you're looking up pizza dogs randomly, but uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on this trailer, man? I am looking up pizza dogs. Uh, yeah, I. You know, it's just one more thing to look forward to. It's we're so blessed right now with entertainment. It's it's funny because all the things that we were lacking and missing at like the first three quarters of the pandemic, we're getting back tenfold now. It's just everything is boom, 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 boom. You know, and and we're in the golden age of streaming and everything else. So, man, I just it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great cold season for me here in Wisconsin where. You know, not a lot of outdoor activities unless you like ice fishing or pizza dogs. <laughs> Dude, it almost makes me want to title this episode, Thank You, COVID. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's like, I mean, it's like, one way stay, it's weird. One way to stay warm is bang fat chicks. So, you know, there's that. More cushion for the pushing, man. And if they pay like they weigh, they can stay. Like, yes, in the in the wintertime when it's cuffing season, you know they're going to eat. They probably got a good ass job and don't spot mind spending money on you. You, you just you, Big to Daddy Kane? You got to hold your nose and go in. <laughs> who's, 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 um, uh, what, what, from, uh, Blackish? Was it DeAndre Cole or Dion Cole? What's his name? Dion Cole, yeah. Dion Cole. His fucking stand up is hilarious if you've never seen it. And he gives a pretty good bit about a fat chick giving a blowjob. So it's appropriate for me to bring that up today and let you guys know to go check that out. Dion Cole is one funny motherfucker, especially his Old Spice commercials. I think it's important to note that we here at thechairshop.com love women of all sizes. Whether you're skinny, whether you're lovely, when I'm not going to say the F word, but any form of any form Freaking of woman, large. we love them all. Hey man, was, fat chicks give the best blowjobs, man. Fat chicks and crazy chicks. So yeah, yeah shout yeah. out to the to the big girls, man. They're very uh, appreciative of the love, and they reciprocate. First of all, you guys are a little bit misogynistic. You're a little assumptuous as well with what I've been talking about. I'm talking about P-H-A-T, fat, pretty hot, tempting, okay? Shout out to the ladies, man. All right, guys, you know, you guys <laughs> want to just take me down this path of, of demonic destruction. If anybody's upset by anything that's happened today on Bandwagon Nerds, just just at me at It's Me DPP and, and we'll hash hey, it Hey, out. hey, hey, hey. I, I, I resent that remark, by the way, you calling me a misogynist. I love bitches. Yeah, yeah you like to massage them. <laughs> Christopher Platt loves bitches, especially the random the random variety, oh, so those man. are even better, you know, when they're random. Come on, man. Y'all know Y'all know that was funny. Come on, man. Come on. Shout out to the ladies, man. But y'all know that was funny. Come yeah, on. We are not. We are definitely not trying to make any sort of commentary on any women here on this show, because God knows between the four of us, our track record on women is spotty at best. I would say that's that's a good way to describe it. Except Margot Kidder. Fuck her. Yeah. If you got her on a bearskin rug, rug in Niagara Falls, it's yeah. all over. You, you just done it all wrong. You've done it's life all, all wrong. I <laughs> Margo's off the calendar for a week and a half. I'm not getting the bearskin rug back from the cleaners until then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, yeah. Margo Kidd. 
not Jesus Christ. Nothing religious about that. Maybe a religious experience, oh, but nothing else. Look, guys, oh, I think it is about time for us to take our second break. Then we're going to bring Andrew Davis on from Pop Anime Comics. We're going to talk to him if he dares. I mean, this is a risky proposition for anybody to come on this show at this time. Uh, it's pretty random. So you never know what he's going to get out of this whole thing. But let's go into our second commercial break. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than average fans. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, folks, we are back here on Bandwagon Nerds, episode number 97, and we gentlemen have a guest in our midst here today it's been a while since we had a guest on the show but i'm very pleased to welcome to the show the one and only andrew from pop anime comics and andrew uh, to pull back the curtain completely andrew and i met like years ago he was one of he was on a guest on attitude of aggression like in the first year or two of the show which tells you it's been a while um I promised him we were going to try and not talk too much wrestling here today because who wants to deal with that shit? But Andrew is coming on. He is the proprietor, the owner, the progenitor of Pop Anime Comics. Andrew, how are you doing here today, sir? Oh, there you go. Standing ovation. I don't know what I just did, so that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how how's it going, man? I am doing good. Been busy all year. So before let's get into this right away. Let's talk about Pop Anime Comics. Explain to the people at home what is Pop Anime Comics? What do you do on the site? And, and just generally get people acclimated and acquainted with what you got going on, man. Yeah, so Pop Anime Comics is a project I started where I'm writing about anime comics wrestling. And then out of that spun out my first podcast, uh, Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I interview voice actors, cosplayers, wrestlers, and uh, comic writers. And what wound up happening is that last year in March, um, I actually put Pop Anime Comics on pause, and I started a secondary live show called Conversations in Pop Culture. And uh, I did 90 interviews from March 2020 to December. And then this year... I am going to be hitting 185 live interviews on Facebook, and uh, I'm going really deep in, and uh, yeah, and then I'm actually getting back into writing, and uh, I got some cool stuff coming out. Um, I may or may not be running a Kickstarter in November for season three, which is going to drop uh, January 4th. I just got sponsored, and uh, yeah, I'm just running with it, and uh, it's crazy, and uh I'm I'm aggressive and uh, yeah, it's it's getting exciting and a lot more stuff's coming and uh, may may or may not be uh, pitching a comic book idea involving wrestling. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but uh, no, yeah, it's and just so, a joke, man. You can talk about whatever you want. I'm very much a pop culture guy and um, definitely in the anime space, in the comic space, in the wrestling space. And I do writing on it. And uh, right now where I'm really focusing on writing is more militaristic comic books and anime and stuff like that uh, for my website. And I got some articles coming out in the next two weeks dealing with uh, military comic books. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, 
I do four to five interviews a week live on Facebook, usually you Tuesdays and Wednesday nights, 7, 9 p.m., those two slots. And uh, yeah, we're just running with it. And a bunch of cool people are coming on in the next few weeks. So uh, super exciting. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, very boring. It, it, it's just the way it goes. So yeah, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. Hey, ask, answer me a question. What's the most difficult part about doing that many interviews? I mean, for you, like, you know, the prep time, the actual process of getting into the interview, or what, what has you found the most challenging doing that? Because Platt and I have done a lot of interviews over the years, and sometimes we just get exhausted by it. So how do you, how do you maintain that? Um, it, it, it's, it's weird where initially, um, obviously, me building an interview used to be hard. And now I can build an interview in about three hours. Um, what's becoming a challenge is finding good people to interview who you could have relationships with and that aren't just there to use you. And, and you know, you know, it, it's I don't want to be used. And I'm running into that problem where people don't bother me until they need an interview. And then they don't want to throw me, buy me a coffee. They don't want to, like, even share it on their wall. And so that's becoming the biggest issue now is finding out who's a good person. And also when you're interviewing a lot of people who do Kickstarters, some of these people's Kickstarters are so outrageous where they're asking $50 for a book. And so now it's becoming an ethical question for me, where am I pushing out the right people who deserves a spot? And that's where we're going. And that's why now when I'm going into this, I have a form that people are now filling out and that's a brand new policy because now I'm, questioning saying who am i pushing out there and who should be on here um because i get a lot of requests i'm getting 25 to 30 requests a month and i have 16 spots and also the other thing as well that's becoming a problem is that it was too comic centric so all of august i think i did 16 15 out of the 16 were comic people and in the indie space and it's got to be more centralized where i at least need four cosplayers I need some wrestlers in there. I need some voice actors in there. And so that that's where I'm going. That's what's becoming a bigger problem at this point is, you know, that. And it's also finding the right people who deserve to be there, who don't want to use me. And, and you know, you know I, I don't know how uncensored I can get, but. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. I, 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 I don't want to be used like a prostitute because these people aren't my pimp and it's my show. And, 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 and I say it that way where a lot of people, I feel, just want to use me. And I'm getting to the stage where that's what's changing. And it, it's weird where, where I don't know how to describe it the right way, but, like, that's the biggest challenge that I have at this point is that, yeah. And, and so it, it gets complicated when you're dealing with that many interviews because I'm at 125 right now. And that's recently coming out now is I'm figuring out who people are real quick and yeah, so 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 that that's my biggest issue, because um, I don't get burned out. Getting burned out and finding guests is easy. It's finding the right guests and the sure. people who deserve to be on. That becomes the problem because everybody wants media. And if I said to you guys, like you guys need media, the answer is of course you do. And and that that that's where it becomes tricky. And so, yeah. Well, it's great so, to see that you've not gotten burnt out by creating the content. You've almost like accomplished that feat and brought in, you know, a more ethical strategy to what you're doing. It's it's pretty cool to to hear that. I'm still working it out, but but it's definitely on the ballot because I feel like I can't push certain things in good faith at this point. Somebody's asking a hundred dollars for their indie comic book for a basic cover, which is just your regular cover A, 
and I've seen it, like, I don't want you on my show because that's not good for my consumers. And it could be a great interview, but at a certain point, it's like, am I pushing forth the right ideology? And then also, you know, there's plenty of problems with wrestling. I mean, the entire Me Too movement just came out. In cosplay, there's some bad people, and it's also figuring out avoiding toxicity as well. And there's also all sorts of shit with Comicsgate. And so all that stuff has to now be taken into consideration because I do have a sponsor and I have to be catering to them where they don't tell me how to run my show, but I have to put my best interest with them. Now, my sponsor is a company that prints comic books for people's Kickstarters. So it's not political, but I'm also now changing the way I think. And so it's super weird when you get a sponsor and you start doing live reads, it changes the way you do business because you have to protect who you're representing. So what is the vetting process like? I know you talked about that you make people fill out a form now before you bring them on. Is it is it more an intuition thing? Because, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm sure you can kind of sniff out who's full of shit and, you know, who you can cultivate and build relationships with and, and stuff like that. So so my vetting process, the quickest way how not to get on my show is not sending me a preview copy of your book. So that that that's a red flag. So if I'm reviewing a comic. I only vet people with comics because I get that's the most I get the request with. Um, and so what, what I do is that I ask the question saying, hey, you know, what's your email? When's your book launching? So if you come and contact me three days before your book is ending on Kickstarter, I really can't help you at that point because I need more time. So that it's time gets you disqualified if it's just too close. And then secondly, what winds up happening is that, you know, I ask, is it over 18? Is it under 18? You know, is it a children's book? And that stuff, because that also helps, because sometimes I don't want to deal with an adult book, or sometimes I do. Um, it also depends on what I'm looking for. And then, as well as I also ask, saying, hey, are you willing to advertise on my show as well now? And that doesn't disqualify you, but if 15 people, if I get 30 requests and half of them want to advertise, those people are going to get front and center because they're going to be paying me money. And, and, and I hate to say this, but running a project, even with my sponsor, it doesn't cover what I need. And so that also helps because that's also another distinguishing factor. It's when you're launching. It's also sending you, as I stated, a free preview copy. Give me a brief description if I'm interested in your book. What is your Kickstarter? What is your website to your Kickstarter? And then I do my homework on that. But my form is just an initial intake. Um, it's also the idea that when you're getting 30 requests, I need to also figure out a date because I can only book four interviews a week. I book two on Tuesday and two on Wednesday. And so if everybody has, I've had, you know, obviously I'm three weeks into my form and out of the requests that I've gotten, you know, it's been scattered. And so it's been helpful enough that nobody's overlapped, but obviously I then just made a choice. So, and then I do my own homework on them, but it's just giving me the first bunch of information and then I make a determination. And then once I fill up eight spots on the comic side, eight to ten spots, then the other six are reserved for everybody else. And so that it, it, it's not a hundred percent betting process. I still do a lot of it manually, but this just solves the first, like I guess, ten questions off the top of my head, and then it gives me the ability to choose, and also it allows me to gather emails, which is the other thing for my email list, which is the other thing that I'm doing, which is a marketing strategy. Because when you have an email list, well, then you can directly send emails out to these people who then become listeners. Uh, Andrew, i got a question for you, man. Um, I have struggled with getting into anime, and my daughter has become a huge fan of it. I mean, obsessed with it. 
talk to me about how you got into anime and what is it about it that drives you to kind of, I mean, it's such a big part of, I'm assuming your fandom that you've named your company and your site after it. Talk to me about anime a little bit. Oh, so, 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 I mean, I got into anime where I just fell in, you know, watching Dragon Ball Z and, and growing up and then watching things like Zoid and watching Toonami and watching things that I wasn't supposed to be watching as a kid. <laughs> all, all the good stuff that, that, that this is before anybody knew what the hell this shit was. So then I'm watching it and I just gravitate to it and I never grew out of it. But the reason why I like anime is I love militaristic, war-driven anime. I love gigantic robots. So the section that I play in is Gundam. Okay. And so I like really war-driven, just giant robots beating the shit out of each other with, like, laser beams and beam swords. And so, and that that's what I like. And then I also like really just, like, Isaki-type stuff, which is you're thrown into a random world. And it's just like an ultimate fantasy type thing. So what anime is, and this is what people I think miss, don't understand, is that anime is just a, it's not a genre. It's more of a style. So in mm-hmm. anime, you could have historical anime. You could have action anime. You could have adventure anime. So every genre we have in regular TV, you could have an anime. So when I say that to me, I get into anime, I say, okay, what genres do you like? Do you like just sports animes, because you can go watch and, and have a show called Slam Dunk. Slam Dunk saved basketball in Japan, where prior to Slam Dunk, basketball was very much a street game and was a very downtrodden, not respected game in Japan. Played on the street, a lot of street hoops. And when Slam Dunk came out, it revitalized basketball in all their high schools. And that's what it does. So if you're really into sports, I say, okay, cool. Here's a bunch of sports animes. And then they all follow a similar formula. And that's how you get into things. And that's what people, I think, really get iffy with anime. They're like, oh, anime is just Japanese and it's hentai and it's all this. It's nothing like that. Because anime is a style. And then it, under it, everything that is out there can be done in anime. So you could have love anime. You could have sports anime. You could have action anime. You could have... Mecha anime, you have war anime, military anime, sci-fi. You know, you could have harems, you could have reverse harems. I mean, you name it, it can be done. And so that's what I say to people is that, what do you enjoy? And then I'll find you an anime you want. And then if you don't like that anime, give it another sports anime a different position. Because I know you got the Baltimore Ravens thing behind you. So I'm assuming you're a sports fan. Yes, and sir. So that, that's what I say to people. But I just sort of fell into it. And then... It's more accessible than ever before because I'm a big Crunchyroll fan. And Crunchyroll, what they do is that after it airs in Japan, an hour later, it is subtitled in the U.S. Oh, wow. That's $80 a year. And it's more accessible than ever before. And it's all digital. And Funimation just bought... Sony just bought Funimation. And then... Basically, Funimation just bought Crunchyroll for about $1.2 billion from AT&T. So this is a big business. And Crunchyroll, for, for those who are interested, has 303 million paid users. And they have 67 unpaid users on their platform and data on. And that's why it was a $1.2 billion acquisition by Funimation. So it's a big so- business. 
Hey, Andrew, I, I enjoy a sake myself. Now, do you prefer it warm or cold? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I kid, I kid, but... I'm going to leave now. You don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but um, talk a little bit about the process, man. Obviously, these are things that you're into and you have a passion for. You have a passion for anime. You have a passion for comics, pop culture, wrestling, all of the above. Talk a little bit about how you get from the process from these are things that I'm into and are passions of mine to the point where, you know what, I'm going to make a go at it and, and try to monetize this thing and see if I can make a couple nickels out of it. Oh, man. My monetization has just started for me after eight years in this. So monetization, for anybody listening from, from a whole different side, it is, it's okay not to monetize anything. It could take a while. It could take you a day. It could take you eight years like it took me. And I'm, again, very, very new into monetization. I'm less than about a month in, which is crazy. I mean, my sponsor legitimately happened on August 12th and then was finalized on August 25th. So we're talking... I mean, legitimately, I'm six days away from my first month in. Um, but how I got here is that I said, who do I want to interview and what do I know about? And, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about podcasting is that if you're going to spend the time and energy, you got to do something you want to do and you really got to love it. And so I said, I really like voice actors. I like anime. And I said, let me just start this way. And I started actually doing written interviews on my website. So I just reached out to comic people and voice actors and actresses and other people that I was into and some wrestlers. And I said, hey, let me just shoot you. Would you like to just I'll ask 10 questions? You could send it back to me at your earliest convenience. And then I said, wait, nobody wants to read anymore. Everybody's really lazy. And then I just mm -hmm. said, let me just do this live on a podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. And then. You ask one person, and then the next time, I my first you know year doing this eight nine years ago, I asked fifty people to get like three interviews, and then it just gets easier and easier and easier. But I said to myself, if I'm going to go do something, I might as well do something that I thoroughly enjoy, because whether I make money or not, I'm trying to make some money, obviously on it. At least I would enjoy myself. And then the, the saying is, and I don't want to talk about dark side of the ring here. So that last episode was bad. Oh, my God. RVD says it perfectly. Sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes. But a lot of these people are my heroes. I grew up watching a lot of these voice actors and actresses. A bunch of these comic people. I read it. And I'm like, man, this is really cool. And, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of just how it happened. And then, you know, you just get better and better and better. And, and, and I can tell you for a fact, my first 50 episodes of my podcast and my interviews sucked. It was bad. And, and But you get better and better and better. And now I'm feeling a lot more comfortable in the last two years doing the live stuff. Even all of last year, 2020, was bad in a lot of ways because I was learning how to do live material. And I never did live before. So I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> no, that's funny, though, Andrew, because I think we all as content producers man we all have the ex we're all right where you're at you go back and listen to some of your earlier shit and you're like god damn i was such an idiot why did i say that why did i say it? like like you drive yourself crazy going back listening to the older stuff you know or just listen to the beginning of this episode you'll learn what not to do <laughs> folks, <laughs> your stuff. Yeah. I, I can't even listen to myself anymore like the the, the best and the worst thing you can do is edit yourself so i used to edit all pop anime comics lounge and that stuff. And that, that I have like 40 episodes on backlog. I'm just on a hiatus because COVID changed the way business was done. 
and, and it's clear that, that you had to go live. And if you didn't go live, and I can tell you in March, nobody was around in March of 2020 doing this. Now, what, what's crazy, and, and, and I haven't really called anybody out, so I guess this is the call out, is that all the, there was about 15 people who were on my show. Within about three months, they all started podcasting and doing live streams after they were on my show. And now out of those bunch of people, some of them are still doing it, but they're not doing it four weeks. They're doing one a week. And every three weeks, they take a break for a week. And then some people took six months off and now are back at it. But apparently in the middle of April, somewhere, no, not even April, in the middle of June, apparently everybody started to create a live Facebook thing or a live podcast. And fast forward to today, I would say 50 to 60% of those people are not around anymore. But I know 15 people, and I think three of them, who basically were on my show, still have podcasts around and active. And so it, it, it goes to show that, you know, COVID changed the way things are done, but it's tough to stay in this. And uh, yeah, those people were doing slightly better than I was, but they're not around anymore, which means they're not doing as well as I in this space. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But, 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 but I, I can't, you know... It, 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 the name of the game is to stay in it as long as you can and uh, just just keep going week by week by week by week. And last week was a shitty week for me. And and, and I just bounced back this week. That's all I can do. So, Andrew, sorry. No, Somebody else? Ahead, Ray. I was just going to say consistency in a short memory, it, it really pays dividends in the long run. I'm sorry. Did you say something? I'll, I'll, go ahead. I'll, I'm just messing around. <laughs> um, short memory. I, I got one short memory, Tony. <laughs> I got one more question for you. Um, you've kind of told us how you started. You kind of told us where you're at now. Congratulations on being monetized. That's a huge step. What's next? What's the next step and where you're at? What What are your goals going forward? If you can share them with us, where do you see the site and the podcast going in the next year or so? What can we expect? So I don't really know about the website, and that's something I'm figuring out. Um, my, my next five years are, are actually sort of somewhat established. Um, so I'm probably going to be building a holding company um, that, that, that that's going to encompass Pop Anime Comics, which has obviously Pop Anime Comics Lounge in it. It has um, conversations in pop culture. Um, I'm going to be buying a house probably in the next 18 months. And in that, I'm going to be building out an office I'm going to be building out more of a studio because right now I'm in my parents' house. And so I am not exactly in a studio-friendly environment. Um, and so I'm going to be building out a studio, which is going to allow me to have more free time. I have some other projects going on with comic book investing and teaching that and building out a class on that. So that obviously is going to be very helpful when I have a studio. And that's going to be part of a holding company. Um, but I'm launching a Kickstarter on sometime in November, preferably November 1st, the fun season three. Um, and so there's a lot of streamlining with that where people can buy guest spots and live reads and other sponsorship type stuff going on. And so that's something that's going to be helpful. The goal is going to be extremely well. I'm always on 300 bucks as a goal. Um, and season three is actually about 70% funded due to my sponsorship right now. So the whole point of that is that the more money I have, the more I can do. Um, and then following that, obviously I have some other passive income streams such as, you know, I have some T-shirt stuff that that's always just being active on Redbubble and building out T-shirt designs. 
And so basically that that's where I'm at, where I'm building this entire thing out. The show's not going anywhere um, as far as leaving and it's just growing. And obviously I'm monetizing and then the website I'm going to be figuring out probably in the next year. Um, but I'm getting back into writing um, in the next like week, really writing some military stuff and having relationships and becoming more of a reviewer. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's um, definitely building out an entire company, um, building out a holding company that has many arms, um, just because the whole point of this is that I will always most likely have a nine to five job. And where, where I'm going is that I want health insurance and I don't want to pay for it myself. I want a matching 401k. Um, I want certain things, and, and, and I know that, that that it's a lot easier to say all this um, and all that stuff, and that a lot of jobs are cutting a lot of that stuff off. And so, but the idea is that this is a side hustle, and I'm trying to make it produce 20000 to 50000 extra a year because then I'm going to take that money and invest it um, into stocks and into you know bonds and into mutual funds. Uh, so that I become really, really wealthy really, really quickly. And you don't have to get there, preferably. I don't need to get there tomorrow, but in the next 10 years, or the next five years, I'm really building out that infrastructure. And that's where I'm at as a person, because I understand that at some point this will fall. But the idea is to produce money and you take it and you move it out of positions um, and then move it into other positions that generate you cash and generate you income. And so that that's the whole point of what I'm doing. And so I'm running this now very much like that. And that's the next five years is really getting that stuff in there. And obviously to build that income producing streams because that that's where I'm at. And uh, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a background in finance. I'm just seeing the writing on the wall and uh, everybody's got to do that. And I come from the comic book investing side of things and I'm implementing that strategy into this. And so it's about the money, guys. Because I'm, 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 at the end of the day, it's a business. This, this is now not, now that I'm monetized, all this is a business and I'm building out the infrastructure along with getting paid. And that, that's the next five years. Well, you, nobody you in like the history you, of the world has ever read, grown uh, young. No, I was going to say, you sound like you read Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Tell me I'm wrong. I actually did not read his book. I was reading David uh, Patrick Betts' book of uh, Your Next Five Moves. And, and, and it's similar because what, what grand chess players do, and, and it's the similar thing that, that Napoleon you know, what, what was, was speaking about in that book. Because I, I know that book. I just haven't read it yet. Um, but it's the idea that every grand master in chess is thinking five moves ahead. And COVID was, was a really big restructuring for me. Um on what needs to happen and what needs to shift and what needs to occur. And I'm now starting to think my next five moves ahead. And I'm now starting to, you know, realign a lot of things in my life. You know, a lot of my comic book investing has been realigned and reclaimed and then is being repositioned in because I sell a lot on eBay comics and I'm making big exits on books now. And so it's like a lot of stuff is being realigned and re, you know, appropriated and, put into, you know, assets that actually produce dividends. And I'm a big dividend stock investor. And obviously I'm a big, you know, crypto person who likes to stake his crypto and get interest on my crypto. And so I'm now starting to understand to implement those things into my company. And again, I'm at my infancy of this. And we're talking less than a month of a lot of this stuff now being put out there. But the infrastructure is now being built. Because 
there's a new world order that's coming. And I don't want to go Alex Jones, guys. That's not what we're talking about here. But hey, Australia was- just flat out said it last week, didn't they? Am I, am, I, am I mistaken about that? They flat out came out and said it. You know what I mean? So it is what yeah, it is. Yeah. That, that is true. But, but yeah. they, 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 there's an old world where if you're not digitally doing something, you're not digitally active, um, and you're not, you know, you know that, that old world is dead. And being part of the great digitalization pivot is where I want to be. It's, 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 I speak to a lot of comedy, like I want to be at conventions. I don't ever want to go back to a Comic-Con convention, an anime convention, a wrestling convention. That I have no interest because legitimately on Facebook, I can market to the world. And if I can't reach you on Facebook, I could get you on Google. If I can't get you on Google, I could get you on Instagram. If I can't get you on Instagram, I'll go TikTok. If I can't get you on TikTok, great. I'll go back to Google or better yet, I'll go to Twitter. Or, you know, Amazon probably has something. So if I want to advertise now and I want you as a client, I can either go into a very small subsection of wrestling, comics, anime or I could go to the rest of the world and hit it. And at a Comic-Con, there's 10,000 people. I can only sell to 10,000 people. But on Facebook, I could sell to 10 million. Very easily. I can market to 10 million. You know, I could run a Facebook ad and I could reach, and I have on Facebook ads for 20 bucks. I've reached 80 people. You know, I can't do that at a con. I can't reach 80 people for 20 bucks. Pound for pound. I just can't. Yes. From the my own house doing nothing. In my underwear, but I <laughs> That's the advantage of this. Um, I don't even think I gave Andrew's last name is Andrew Davis, by the way. This is because, see, Andrew, I'm old and the brain doesn't work that well anymore. So I forgot to give your name, full name at the beginning of this. But um, everything you said is fantastic. Andrew's going to stick around. We're going to talk some other stuff. We want to get his insight on some of these other news topics that we're going to talk about and, and get real nerdy with Andrew because you know this is bandwagon nerds and 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 we can't just talk the finance of everything because that is awesome that you're monetized but I want to actually get your thoughts on some of these other news items that we're going to talk about uh, the first one I want to run this by you guys Patrick posted this earlier I think I'm about to get my nerd card pulled on this one because Disney has announced they are remaking Flight of the Navigator I got to be honest with you guys I don't think I've seen it um, I know my wife has seen it. Have you guys seen Flight of the Navigator? Let's start with our guest, Andrew. You seen Flight of the Navigator from back in the eighties, or? or... Uh, I don't think I have. That, that this is not good. This is not good. I know. It's a... I, I don't I've seen it. Like I feel so so out of place. We're all getting. Don't. Right. Yeah. Don't. don't. I've never seen half of the stuff they bring up. Don't feel bad. <laughs> Tony, have you seen this movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. My mother incurred multiple. Uh, you know. Uh, late fees from Blockbuster because I wouldn't let her return this movie. Uh, it's something I've watched like dozens and dozens of times. So if you have children who are at all interested in science fiction or anything like that, it would be an excellent movie for them to go back and watch. It is phenomenal. What are your thoughts on them remaking this? Disney's going to reboot this whole thing. I might just have to make a return to the bandwagon nerds review and let you know there. Mr. Platt, have you seen Flight of the Navigator? You know what's funny, Dave? I was I was about to say, oh, hell yeah. And then I, I caught myself because the movie that I was getting ready to run down was not Flight of the Navigator. It was The Last Starfighter. So <laughs> 
I, I, I too have not seen this. Now, Ray, I, I know you might not be familiar, but we used to have these things called VCRs. And on these oh, VCRs, yeah, I remember those things. Yes. yes, you would put tapes in and you could play tapes and you could go forward if you wanted to. You could go backward if you wanted to. But there oh, were these man. big stores that you could actually, for a few bucks, rent tapes and then take them home for a few days and play them in your said VCR player and well, watch them. This, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so- I mean, this this device you're talking about. <laughs> he's, he's making yeah, fun man. of me because I'm the youngest in the group, even though I still have my old Blockbuster card. He so like, knew, you man. Know. And he was, he was, he, Andrew knew what was up, man. He was chipping in, man. I worked at a Blockbuster, so take that. I worked at a video <laughs> store, too, man, back in the day. I, I too worked video stores. I, I didn't work at them. I worked them. Like I still <laughs> like yeah. I think I still yeah. owe Hollywood yeah. Video yeah. like five hundred and sixty two bucks. Everybody like, <laughs> owes Hollywood Video stuff. That's why there's not a Hollywood Video anymore. <laughs> Collection efforts subpar. By the way, shout out to the fact that Bryce Dallas Howard got the show, got the movie, and she's going to be the the producer director. I'm excited about that because I like her work. So that interests me. I was going to watch it on Disney Plus. I'm going to watch it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to watch but it. But that's too. just kind of incentive for me. Because my wife was talking to her. She goes, Oh, yeah, I love this movie. I'd love to watch it with you if you've never seen it. I was like, I don't remember seeing it. So I'll watch it with you. I'm sure Patrick right now, listening back to this, is screaming at his car like he likes to do when we piss him off, which I'm sure has happened at least 10 times in this episode so far. Uh, I'll watch it on Disney Plus. See, there I'll you watch- go. Disney Plus. I mean, I got no problem with that when it comes out, or the old one too. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed until like <laughs> legit people told me. Like, Same. yeah, Same. there you go. So Andrew's in. We're all, we're all. Some of us are going to watch this. Others, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. The second news bite I wanted to talk about is uh, there's some spoilers going around, some excitement going around about Venom 2's post credit scene that allegedly has Venom and sitting around watching the television and they bring in i mean let's let's remind everybody bandwagon nerds is not spoiler free so if you don't want to know about this then shut this off for the next five minutes and come back in a little bit but the rumor is that there's a scene with eddie brock and venom watching the television tom holland spider-man comes along which now ties in the MCU proper to whatever is going on with the Sony Spider-Verse and brings them together. This has got people apparently losing their shit and getting all excited about whatever's going on. So I uh, wanted to throw this out to you guys. I mean, this is a pretty big news story this week. Your thoughts about this, Andrew, are you, a, I'm assuming you're an MCU fan like the rest of us are. Your thoughts, are is there smoke to this fire? And, and how do you feel about the, I mean, we know it's coming. There's no doubt it's coming, and it looks like it might be coming quicker than we thought. What are your thoughts on this? Sony's about the Benjamins. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. So, so, so. In my opinion, it's one of two things. It's either they're trolling the fuck out of everybody for the sake of it because they know what they're doing and they know how to drive traffic, and that it's the idea that if they start teasing it, because what there's been like 15 teases off of. 30 things in Spider-Man in the last three weeks. And so either they're just trying to troll Marvel and mess with Marvel because Marvel's been messing with every Spider-Man fan or they're purposely building up a lot of hype because they messed up the September release. And so they need to start driving traffic again because they had all this stuff that was driving traffic and then you dropped the ball on it. 
And so, but it makes sense if they're going to do it. And if it's real, it's a cool way to tie it in. It's a cool way to give an entry point in. And uh, it's going to be super interesting if they allow, if they're allowed to do it, because this can then pull out a bunch of other stuff and really, because Sony's still going to maintain a bunch of Spider-Man and Venom stuff, but there's obviously a deal that it's going to be brokeaged. And who knows, maybe somewhere down the line in three, four years, Disney will buy the rights back to Spider-Man and Venom and all that stuff. And maybe this is the impetus for those negotiations to start again. And maybe, you know, Disney will be paying Sony two or three billion dollars for Spider-Man and all the rest of the Spider-Man stuff so they could have it all under one house again. Makes sense to me. Uh, Ray, what do you think about this? Uh, you, you agree with Andrew? Is it, this could be a giant troll job, but it might not be. I don't think it's a troll job because it feels inevitable. Um, we know for a fact that Vulture, Michael Keaton's Vulture, is in the Morbius movie. A Mobius movie. Uh, we know that uh, Venom, who is... You can't think Tom of Hart. Venom without thinking... Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you. My bad, man. I no, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, looking out for me, as always. But we know you can't think of Venom without Spider-Man, right? And there's a reason why the Venom movies were in San Francisco and not in New York, because there's no way they could have done that and not had him in those movies. We also know that because of whatever deal that they brokered, thanks to a a drunk Tom Holland at three o'clock in the morning, we forget Sony still is allowing Disney to use Spider-Man. So they could, they could make all these plans for Spider-Man they want and Disney can't do nothing about it because they own them. Right. So it feels inevitable that they were going to have this. They were trying to build this whole Spider-Verse without Tom Holland. Eventually, he's going to have to show up in some of this stuff. You know, we got this talking about a Black Cat and a Silver Sable movie. They were thinking of a Sinister Six movie. Who the Sinister Six going to fight? It's got to be Spider-Man. So it feels inevitable. Um, and I don't think it's a troll. Um, but I'm, I am with Andrew, though. There is a reason this is coming out, because if you read that article you sent us, like... You know, every one of these companies tries to kill spoilers so quick, but they let this dude who happens to be an actor put a tweet out and like they're retweeting the tweet. Hey, come on, bro. Like, we know what's up. So, so, so I have a question. Do you think he tweeted that tweet out or do you think his publicist tweeted that tweet out? Because the reason why I ask this is that it, 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 I go back to The Rock and it's slightly off topic, but I think it's relevant where you could tell when The Rock tweets a tweet out on his Twitter. And when his yeah. publicist tweets one out, my question is, is that because I think what Tom Holland dropped the tweet. Right. So. So was did Was it Tom Holland who dropped the tweet or was it his publicist who dropped the tweet? Because there's a difference between those two. Now, it's from Tom Holland as an individual. But, but I, I know I'm explaining this in, a, in a, it's an obscure way how to talk about a person not being the person, but representing the person. If that makes any sense. Sure, but that, sure. that's not all of this. Tom Holland better not be tweeting any news as much as he slipped up over the years. He better shut his mouth for good. <laughs> so I'd hope it's his publicist. Can he? Can he just? Can he reverse his wrist around and just? <laughs> no putting the toothpaste back in the tube, Tony. That's not how that That's works. The true story. It, it's funny because I read this article from a a reviewer, a film critic or reviewer rather that was actually there for the Venom screening. And 
what he said was that at the end of the movie, the Easter egg that came out, it was the biggest pop he had ever heard in the history of cinema. And this was before, quote unquote, spoilers and rumor and innuendo on the Bruce Pritchard side of the game started to leak out about what that could possibly be. So I'm not, to be fair, I'm not the biggest Venom fan. I'm, shout out to Woody Harrelson, by the way, with the Carnage role. I think he's going to completely destroy that. Woody's a guy, I think he's probably one of the most underrated actors of the last 30 years. He's that damn good. So he's going to kill that role. But yeah, again, I'm not the hugest Venom fan, but just adding depth and layers to that Spider-Man universe, because I'm a Spidey guy. That's my guy. So I'm here for that, and I could smoke a bag of that. Yeah, I love I love Woody, I love Woody Harrelson doing this. He's he's a natural born killer, by the way, Chris. He is, and he can jump, and he's a white guy. He's also Billy Ho. He's a shout kid. out to Billy Ho. He's a don't get my, don't get Munson out there. That's all I got to say, guys. Don't get Munson out oh, there. But by, by the way, I got I got the cast for the reboot of White Man Can't Jump. Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller. Oh, that was me and you. <laughs> hey i like yeah. the way you think yeah we argue enough so yeah that'll work tony thinks he white dante hey. out here hey. the last shout out to uh bill <laughs> shout out to billy ho aka billy ho. <laughs> the last little news bite i want to talk about is very pertinent that andrew's here because he talked about kickstarter a lot and I want to talk about some board game news that we touched on earlier in the week. Masters of the Universe, the board game, crushed its Kickstarter goal. I mean, they were looking for, what, 200000 They're up over 700000 with two weeks to go on this Kickstarter campaign. Um, obviously, people want to play a Masters of the Universe cooperative slash competitive board game. Uh, I know we don't talk about board games as much on here as video games, but... Geez, that's a that's a pretty. I mean, Andrew, you're talking about Kickstarter. That's a big number that they've thrown down with a long, and they still got two weeks to go. So now they've upgraded from cardboard components to plastic components. I mean, as somebody who deals with Kickstarter a lot, how big is that to not just surpass your goal but obliterate it with a couple of weeks left to go? So, so I would say that two years ago would have been a bigger deal. Um, um, not, not to say raising, you know, three acts or 3.5 acts, or, or, or I, I think, I think if, if my math is correct on that, um, no, 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 it's, it's it, I'm really bad at math about my mathematical side of my brain isn't working, but the idea is that breaking your goal and doing, you know, you know, doing another 500,000 over it is great, but we've seen it with Power Rangers boom. We've seen it with Keanu Reeves. You've seen it with Scott Snyder's Nocturna. You've seen it with, you know, Berserka. You've seen it with Todd McFarlane, who did $5 million. And so at this stage in the game, anytime you have a big, and I'm taking a very, 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 you know, I guess cynical approach to this, where I don't think this is that impressive anymore when you have a big property and that you're breaking your goal. I mean, I just had Santine Phoenix on with her husband, and they had a goal of, like, 50000 and they did almost 250000 So... I don't really know if it's a big deal anymore to, you know, five X your goal or triple your goal or quadruple your, your goal when you have two weeks left and you have a big project. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not awesome that everything's getting upgraded and that you're going from cardboard to plastic and that everybody's getting a better game and that, you know, the people behind the game are going to make some serious money. The consumer's going to be happy. That's great. 
that I actually don't think this is a big deal at all. I think that people say, oh, my God, it's the greatest, it's the best thing ever. And they forget that legitimately there has been 20 projects that have done this in the last 18 months and that this is now an expectation and it's not a phenomenon. And when we say something is a phenomenon, but it happened 19 times before, we're cheapening what's been done. And, 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 and given the fact that there's been a shift in parameters in this segment and this sector, again, we're going to see a lot more of this. This is now not in a phenomenon. This is more of a norm. Whenever you have a known property that's tied to anything big that has a built-in market, great. That you know, you know, this is what what is expected. If this thing didn't fund, that would be a bigger thing than if it did fund. If this thing was one hundred eighty thousand and twenty G's short, that would have been a bigger deal than this. Now, I think it's phenomenal that they're they're basically rewarding everybody who who, who backed it, and everybody who now jumps in is getting a plastic game instead of cheap ass cardboard. But that that's how I feel about it. I, I just think that that it's overhyped and that. They're just trying to create a positive BS spin on it. Would you guys say that the recent animated uh, project by Kevin Smith also gave them the power? Without it, without a doubt. Ooh. Screw you, Ray. Screw you. Ray, you didn't like yes, the, the, the the re the uh, what I don't even know it's a re. Well, they're actually rebooting all the kids' ver- version of stuff that's coming up in a in a few weeks. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, the uh, Masters of the Universe franchise still apparently doing quite well. So uh, people want to consume that. Um, the I mean, this sounds like I, I watched the How to Play. I guess the Browns must have won because Christopher Platt is all happy with himself. Uh, so. I I was like, okay, there's still a definite market for Masters of the Universe property, despite there is a definite split of opinion as to the new series and how people are liking it or not liking it. So that that's the crazy thing to me that we're in 2021, and I was born in '88, so I wasn't really around. But man, chill, chill. Look, y'all know this, okay? Uh. And I wasn't really around when Masters of the Universe was doing really big on TV and whatnot. But my cousin is nine years older than me and grew up with me. And so he had all the toys. And so I inherited all the toys and I learned through it through that. And so here we are in 2021. And I'm shocked that of all of the things in our in our obsession with nostalgia, that Masters of the Universe is just now reheating in 2020, 2021. We haven't had these earlier in a few years ago. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You shouldn't be, though, because you so I'm 28. My Masters of the Universe is Avatar The Last Airbender. Gotcha. And, 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 so, and so that thing is on fire right now. Yeah. I mean, last year, that was the number one show on Netflix. And, 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 because, and, and there's been a rekindling of the next generation of it. And a bunch of Pop Funkos just came out. Nickelodeon's doing, you know, Avatar Studios. So... What what's happened in our society is that m- my generation is now coming into money. So now we want all the stuff that we grew up with. So all my generation wants Pokemon cards. And mm-hmm. all of the people I know who are my age, 28, 29, 27, we're starting to come into this. We want all the toys that we wanted. And so it's no surprise that when, you know, if you were born in 88, I don't know your age. I'm, I'm not going to do the math. 33, but, sir. 33. So, so you have money. 
And, and so, or, or technically, you're, you're <laughs> you get where I'm going with this. Yeah, right? I know. I understand. Yes, you're in. You're not 18 in college. He's kids. He don't have no money. I have. Yeah, my generation has kids and and houses and whatnot. Yes, I'm, yeah, you're right. And so, and so, it should be no shock that people are like, "Oh man, I want to relive my childhood and yeah. all the cool stuff I had. I want to introduce my kids to. Maybe you don't want to go buy them the He-Man tricycle that came out." Or Masters of the Universe tricycle, or maybe you do. I mean, if you're gonna buy a tricycle, you buy the Thundercats tricycle. But that's not the point here. <laughs> it, 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 that tricycle is a much better tricycle than, than the Masters of the Universe tricycle. Night Rider, Night Rider, a pussy tricycle. I'm not gonna lie. It's a little. It was a little rough. I'm just saying. Episode title: Bandwagon Nerds number ninety-seven. Pussy tricycle. I love it. <laughs> oh boy. I'm oh just boy. Saying, guys. I call it like it is. To, to be fair, though, to, to be fair. No, 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 not the tricycle. Talk the about dogs the are excited by pussy tricycles. Well, like, hey, man, the, the browns hey, are Andrew, winning, baby. That's what the dogs are excited about. Andrew keeps it real and so do the dogs, apparently. That's right. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Mute his mic. No, but, Can someone mute his mic? Uh, 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 no, seriously, though, all jokes aside, man, this isn't a new phenomenon. They've been trying to reboot and gain traction with Masters of the Universe. It seems like every 10 years, they try to resurrect that franchise. It happened in the early 2000s. There was a cartoon that, that came though. out. Yeah, early 2000s, there was a, a Masters of the Universe cartoon that came out. Hmm. I believe there was another one that came out in around 2010 as well. They tried to also reboot it. I remember that one. That got no traction. Yeah, I remember yeah. And, and, and there were rumors and, and rumblings that they were going to try to redo the movie. So this is a franchise, number one, it's funny because I think its shelf life was from, what, it had maybe, what, two, three years tops? You it know what I mean? And ever since then, no, not at all. It was a flash in the pan. But ever since then, every 10 years or so, they try to resurrect the franchise. And this is nothing new. I'd be surprised no. at this point in time where if we don't get a movie out of this because apparently the only thing Hollywood can make now are blockbuster movies that have sequel potential. So I'd be surprised if at the end of this rainbow, there's not a movie, you know? So Dol it, Dolph it, Lundgren's not doing anything. So bring I was about to back. say, shout out to Dolph Lundgren. Yes, <laughs> I'm Dolph Ziggler. I don't think I want to see him play He-Man. That would be bad. Andrew, you were going to say something, man? So if this is a phenomenon, though, and, and this is sort of the, I guess, the odd thing out, I mean, it must be because obviously COVID has changed the game where everybody's home, everybody's watching and nobody is going anywhere. Things are limited on what you can do. People, you know, obviously are bored and they've become accustomed to watching things in their house. And while Netflix is readily accessible, so that, that has to contribute to this. And that has to be because every other time there was a million other things out there. So I'm a big wrestling fan. There is significantly less wrestling going on right now than there was ever before anime production has been massively delayed for about 20 shows that were supposed to come out legitly in 11 days attack on titan was supposed to be finishing up with the last eight episodes that's been delayed till january that's a big deal because it changes the way things are done that's a huge position when it was already delayed season four so obviously it must be part of it at the very least must be because well, there's nothing to watch, so everybody's watching, everybody's bitching about it. What, you either love it or you don't, but guess what? Now you want to talk about it, and that's why it's gaining traction. And then that, that could, that, that's the only reason why, is because there's nothing else out there. And if you're like, 
oh man, and probably some of you read a shitty scathing review, and everybody's like, oh, I gotta watch this now. I gotta talk about it. This is controversial. This is this is you know I can't think of, of, of this is like the Sopranos, the last episode. If you didn't see the last episode of the Sopranos, you weren't in the club anymore. You know, there was a point in anime where you needed to watch DBZ, Sailor Moon, and Full Metal Alchemist and Kogias. And if you didn't watch any of those four, you were fucked at an anime con. And that's what I think this is. And I think, I think you know, it's good and it's bad. I personally have only seen half of it because I can't stand it. I don't want to watch the rest of this show because it sucks, in my opinion. It's not the age. It's not old school Transformers. It's not in that mentality. I'm not an 80s kid, but I enjoy the 80s. You know, I'm not going to lie. Old school Transformers was great. 80s Master of the Universe. Shitty animation. Sort of corny. Really good, though. In a lot of ways. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's not my things that, that I discovered at 2 in the morning when you're sick and you're watching, you know, Adult Swim on Cartoon Network of all the 80s shows. And you're seven years old. Shout out to Space Ghost. <laughs> there you go. All right. So Harvey, Harvey Birdman. I'm just a small town bird we, lawyer. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. We could we could talk about this for another 30 minutes, but I want to move into our last topic because yeah, this this we don't want to go for three hours today. So this is a topic I wanted to talk about, Andrew. On the pat prior shows, we've done these comic spotlights where we focus in on characters and talk about their comic arcs and that sort of thing. I want to do something different on this episode because, like I said at the outset, for like the last six months, it seems like at least two or three times a week, TNT showing either the Infinity War Endgame back to back or the Dark Knight trilogy. And I wanted to kind of touch on this because if you ask most of the bandwagon nerds out there, they will tell you if you say, what's the greatest superhero movie of all time? They're going to list either Infinity War Endgame or something from the Dark Knight trilogy. And it got me thinking that, and I know Ray doesn't agree, but we're going to get into that in a moment. I want to talk about these two series because they are generally regarded by most of the nerds out there as the best that is out there. Let's start off talking about the Dark Knight trilogy and, and just go around the horn and get your thoughts on, on the Dark Knight trilogy. It's generally regarded as the series that rejuvenated Batman as a franchise. I think that's a fair statement. Sure. I think, you know, the first Batman Begins was a, a cool origin story that brought in Ra's al Ghul. Nobody had done that yet as far as the movies were concerned. Then you did Dark Knight, which brought in a different variation of the Joker. And let's also keep it real. Heath Ledger's performance is iconic and transcendent. Probably not going to be surpassed anytime soon. And Dark Knight Rises was good. It's got some issues, but nothing huge. So your guys' thoughts, I mean, as far as superhero trilogies go... Is this the be-all, end-all, or what do you guys think? I will kick it to our guest first to give his thoughts on the Dark Knight trilogy and, and go from there. Oh, snap, that's me. Um, that is you. <laughs> um, I, 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 I love the, the entire thing that Christopher Nolan did, and I think in a lot of ways it, it, it rejuvenated Batman, as you stated. I think it also made Batman dark. It also made Batman real again. It, it, it made Batman not, you know, you, you don't hate Batman, but you're not viewing him as a hero. And he's not. He's not a hero in those movies. And you have amazing, you know, cinematography, I guess, and amazing film work. 
and you have everything that that's supposed to be. You also get the origin story. You get a lot of things about Gotham that you didn't get before. And you also get a very pessimistic view on life where there really is not a lot of hope in those movies. And Batman is taking people out and he's crossing lines and he's coming into being a hero. And I think it's, it's really, really well done. And, and I think that those movies are not Batman movies. No, nothing has been like that ever, I feel, in films before that. And I think it's going to be a long time since there's going to be another movie like those three movies that really, you know, take, I guess, more of, you know, a serious approach to it and don't take a superhero approach to it. And, and I don't view those movies as superhero movies. I view them as being well-directed. You know, it, it, this isn't Batman versus Superman. It, it, this is like the pinnacle element of DC's work. And it's not your traditional DC, you know, superhero film that's out there. And I don't think there's been anything like it ever since. And I don't think you can replicate it. I don't. You have almost 10 hours of a non-superhero movie with a superhero in it. And you you, 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 you know exactly what what that movie is. And, you know, it's a beautiful piece. And, you know, it's the best of the best of the best. And, no, I'm not Will Smith. (laughs) PC Tunney, your thoughts? So I am a kid of the 80s, right? And I grew up watching reruns of Adam West, Batman, on on TV. And I I loved it. And my grandma and grandpa took when I was what, seven, eight years old to go see Michael Keaton and, and, and um, Jack Nicholson in the movie theater when Batman made its return to the movies. Right. But at the same time, this series is my favorite. Christian Bale is my favorite Batman. And that's really weird. Right. And he's, this series is great. And for me to put a word on what you were describing, Andrew is it puts Batman in that vigilante space where we all want him to be. Right. The, that that word is is so key to Batman's existence, in my opinion, and people being a fan of it, because Batman, uh, like doing what's right, in his opinion, outside of the law, is what Batman is to me. Ray, you want me to go first? You want to go? let me let go first because uh, I, I take a little umbrage. I'll but, tell a Batman story after this segment because it's so relevant to, to, to all of this. You all appreciate it. And now I'm going to do the bat see while Chris goes. That's hilarious. I, I think I know where my brother Ray is going to go. I'm Obviously, I'm not going to step on his point. We haven't talked about this, but I, I think I know him well enough to know where he's going. And I probably agree with where he's going, by the way. Uh, you know, uh, rhymes with uh, piss drebbins. But um, I enjoyed these movies, though. I really did. They made some very interesting geocool geopolitical statements which i'm not going to get into all of that it was just kind of interesting but just on the surface as movies and what are you talking about it's about (laughs) hugs i like this guy (laughs) but no oh oh, just what did you watch i mean clearly (laughs) patriot excuse me um but no on the surface I, I enjoyed these movies for what they were, and I really especially enjoyed Batman Begins because it filled in a lot of blanks. Because if you're like I am, I was a precocious and curious child, and I'm thinking to myself, where the fuck he get a car like that? How he get the Batcave? Like, all those stories, all those were filled in the blank, and thank God for God, a.k.a. Morgan Freeman, 
who filled in all the blanks and everything that we needed. But yeah, on the surface, these are brilliant movies. They're well acted. The storylines are well played out. I, and I'm a Nolan guy anyway. I think sometimes he gets a little pretentious for his own good, but I enjoy his movies. You know, he's a make you watch the movie five, six times before you figure out what's going on, ass motherfucker. That's what Chris Nolan does. That's what he do. But yeah, on their service, these were great movies. I do think that they did invigorate the Batman franchise and they rooted the character in as much realism as possible, considering we're talking about a dude flying around in tights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Considered all that considered, they tried to make it as real and grounded in realism as they possibly could. And they were they were marvels. And I think that these were the movies that let the Academy know, hey, comic book movies can be great movies as well. And you need to look at them like that. These aren't just comic book movies. They can be great movies also and deserve accolades and achievements and, and things of that nature. Ray, well, here we go. To, and, to Andrew's point, uh, these three these three movies weren't built or casted or planned out or directed as comic book movies. They were just thought of as movies that happen to have characters that have superhero and comic book origins. And I think that's a big part of why they're looked at so different. Christopher Nolan, as you say, can be rather pretentious, but he's also very clever in the cinematography and how he kind of figures figures things out. And with with respect to um, George Clooney and Val Kilmer, those movies have their campiness and their fun with them. But this saved live action Batman because we hadn't really had a live action Batman that I think unanimously everybody said, yeah, that works since Michael Keaton. Right. I'm an Affleck guy, but Affleck can't do what he did if Chris, Christian Bell doesn't do what he does. And I, I do like what you said about how um, the realism. And they, they filled in blanks. I appreciated that they showed Christian Bale or Bruce going out as Batman, coming back, and like he's got bullet holes in him, and 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 you know, and and stab wounds, and it's not just oh, well, you know, I'm a superhuman. Like no, he had to get the knee thing because he couldn't walk no more because his leg was damn near broke. Like I appreciated that because. <laughs> He was basically Mick Foley by the time the third movie came around. I'm you know? saying he didn't fail to the <laughs> sale four, five different times. But I appreciated that because that's Batman. Batman really is a guy who has created a persona that's bigger than life. I'm hoping to see in this new Batman movie with Pattinson that they show the one aspect of Batman we've never seen on camera. And that's the, the detective part. But nonetheless, um, my umbrage with Dave is not against the Dark Knight trilogy because it's fantastic, it is goaded. But my umbrage with him is that you can't put this against Infinity War, dog. The Infinity Saga? It is not fair, bro. And there's one that there's one trilogy that I don't think he's given credit to that I think neck to neck and neck, movie to movie, pace to pace, is right on par with the Dark Knight trilogy. And that's the Captain America trilogy. I knew it! I knew it! I knew it. Don't you act like you ain't know what I was talking about when I said piss Bevins. You act like I you didn't know what the hell I, I was didn't talking know what about. Piss Bevins. What, what is piss Bevins? What is that? <laughs> I said it. What going Chris, where you were gonna Chris go? I said Evans? it rhymes. With oh, piss Bevins. I see there. I didn't Ray, catch it. Come on, man. I didn't catch it. I really didn't. So, but no, go ahead. Go ahead, Andrew. So, 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 so this, this is what I was gonna bring up, and this, I think this is super important. So, Adam West Batman came out, and 
I was fortunate enough that I got to speak to Danny O'Neill, who's considered the greatest Batman editor of all time before he passed away. And I also got to interview Chuck Dixon. And I got to speak with Paul Levitz, who ran DC and was basically the CEO slash president of DC Comics when Batman Begins came out. He was a professor of mine when I was in college. Got to interview him. And so, not, not name dropping, guys. Not name dropping. Make sure you pick him up when you're done with him. Pick him up when you're done with him. But I, I try to name drop as much as possible. So, so, so speaking to people like Chuck Dixon, who wrote Nightfall, which is what the third book or third movie is based off of, and then Chuck created Bane. So my whole thing is when, when I was speaking with Denny is that the Adam West stuff ruined Batman. It took 40 years to fix that in DC in the comics. And Denny O'Neill is credited for bringing back the darkness. And so this trilogy brought back the darkness into the entire live action space of Batman. Batman the Animated Series brought it back into the animation side of DC in a lot of ways. And so when you talk about, and we put up against Captain America, we put up against Infinity Wars, those series and those movies did not bring back the darkness because that problem never needed to be solved. What Mm -hmm. these movies did for DC is it allowed Batman to go dark. Because you look at something like Batman vs. Superman, you look at Justice League, there is that element of darkness in those movies. You look at the Zack Snyder cut, there is that element of darkness in there. And while it's lightened up a little bit, you know, if it wasn't for the Christopher Nolan live action stuff, we would not have dark Batman. We would have Adam West slight tinted, for lack of a better word. And so when we look at these films, and that's not to say that another film can't smoke them, for lack of a better word, but these films arguably are the most significant comic films in the last 30 years because it solved a problem that needed to be solved that DC couldn't figure out how to solve until these three movies were dropped. And that's why these are some of the best movies to come out because they legitimately solved the problem perfectly. And, and, and that is something to pay attention to and understand. Infinity Wars, Captain America, Iron Man didn't solve any of those problems that Marvel had. They were good movies. They could even be better movies, but they didn't solve a problem and realign. We could not have Joker without the Dark Knight trilogy. Because that jump to the Joker from Dark Knight isn't that big. But the jump from Adam West, from Adam West to the Joker... And we didn't have the dark night would have been night and day and we would have had to form a new company is that and that that's the whole thing with those movies. And that's why they're significant. And that's why when you put these movies in and you view it on a practical level, these movies solve the problem and gave DC the ability to do that. And they're going to give this. These movies are going to give DC the ability to do that for the next 30 years because it's a shift. It's a left turn yeah. versus going down straight. Let me let me throw something out there. I'm just going to pivot a little bit from what we were going to talk about because and let's just roll with this because it is it was Batman Day. So let's like to play devil's advocate. Yeah, Infinity War, Cap America didn't have to change a narrative, but like when you talk about Iron Man, Iron Man actually had to start the narrative though because there was no narrative to begin with. If Iron Man flops, <laughs> then oh, Chris has got something. Uh, uh, my, my bad day. Please continue your thought, man. I I I I disagree with you, but please at least finish your thought before no, I eviscerate. I, I want to hear what you have to say because you know that's <laughs> that's my thought. Is like, well, Iron Man didn't have a narrative to change, but it did have a narrative to start. And 
I think that that movie possibly more than any of the other ones really changed the industry because if that movie fails, we've said it before, we're probably not even talking about this stuff right now, but go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead, Ray. Cause you've been patiently waiting, man, before I get to my point, go ahead and say what you got to say. I no, appreciate that. All you guys going. I think that it's bullshit that you diss Adam West Batman so bad because I don't think <laughs> Batman is, I, I listen, I don't think you have Batman as important as it is in pop culture without Adam West carrying Batman along because it wasn't a huge thing back in the, when he started going on with it, right? It was more of a comic thing. It was not necessarily mainstream media. So I understand the dislike for Adam West Batman, but you got to let an old guy with a balding spot jump in here and defend an old guy a little bit, okay? Just saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dissing Adam West. I enjoy it, but but, but the damage it did to the character is it, it was irreversible. It took forty or fifty years to fix that problem because it turned Batman into a campy position versus a dark position, and it took a fuck ton of work to fix that problem. Didn't and that's not saying. And I'm not. I, but didn't I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, pop culturally wise, keeping it in the mainstream media is basically you can That's give right, Adam right. West the biggest kudos there. Yeah, but didn't DC mirror what what was going on with the show? Because the comic went campy as well around the same time to kind of match what was going on, right? So, so, so I don't disagree that 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 the Adam West stuff added at least a billion dollars to Batman's net worth as as as, a, as an IP at least. I don't disagree, but 40 years to solve a problem. But but with, without Adam West, I don't think Batman would be significant. I don't think any of this stuff would be significant in DC. And I even think Marvel benefited tremendously. So I agree from a business standpoint, that's cool. From a character standpoint, doing the character justice, you know, it's, that's a different discussion. But again, you know, I own IPs and my IP has to be treated a certain way. And look, IPs evolve, and it's all right that IPs evolve because sometimes in 10-year stints, what's good for an IP for 10 years might allow it to survive for another 40. And I get that. So I acknowledge that. I'm just talking from an idea where the, the whole thing with the movie changed the perspective, but I also get the Iron Man point. And also, I think the Iron Man thing with, with Robert Downey Jr. also allowed characters to become more sarcastic and also have unlikable heroes because Iron Man is a douchebag. You know, no, but, no offense. Tony Stark is a douchebag in a lot of ways. Oh, of course. But if we're talking about cultural relevance and significance, the line starts with Wesley Snipes' blade. Because Marvel had tried to do this time and time again. We had those made-for-TV bullshit Spider-Man movies in the 70s. We had that bullshit Captain America movie that none of y'all probably even remember. Uh, they had the Fantastic Four that was directed by Roger Corman, which... You could watch it on YouTube. It's actually up on YouTube. It's 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 so bad. It's just bad. It's hilariously bad. It just wasn't never gonna work out. If y'all know who Roger Corman was, he's a when you're in top really <laughs> get your friends together. You get like seven bottles and you say, guys, we're doing this, and here's how we're doing it. Best night of your life. I promise. Everybody, everybody gets drunk. It's phenomenal. What do you think we're doing on Halloween, all me and my friends? Nice. <laughs> it's going to be great. Everybody's taking the Monday off. It's going to be phenomenal. Nice. But, I mean, in, in terms of, of relevance and reinvigorating a franchise, not even reinvigorating, invigorating a franchise, like the line starts with Wesley Snipes' Blade because that proved to Hollywood that these movies, i.e. the MCU, 
can also not only be good movies, but can be marketable. Like you can make I, money off of them as well. Like there's a linear line to be drawn from Wesley Snipes to Disney, aka MCU, taking everything over in pop culture right now. Like that's 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 where the line starts. But Ray, man, I go go ahead, man. You've been trying to get in here for like six minutes now. <laughs> George Re- George Reeves might have something to say about that, Chris. Anyway, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, if he ain't too busy shooting himself in the chest, but go ahead, Ray. <laughs> oh, God. Getting dark. <laughs> Getting dark in here. Your point about your point about Blade is very salient and true, just like X Men is. But I think there's a difference between a movie that's built to be a standalone movie and a movie that's built to change the way movies are are logistically built. The MCU has changed with the, with, with respect to Star Wars, the way movies are are logistically built because the MCU is the first interconnecting movie studio that's planning more than a trilogy. At first, for the longest, it was just you got three movies. That's cool. We do tr- trilogies because they make more money. Things that are were they, things that were laid in Iron Man have been referenced in movies recently, as as recently as a couple years ago. So, like, that's I think there's a change in difference there. But what I was waiting to say is everything that was said about Batman is absolutely true. The thing I take umbrage with is when you say that there was a problem that DC fixed. You're right. But the, but I don't think you can punish Captain America or the Infinity War or any other uh, um, trilogy or whatnot or IP for that issue because if we're sticking to the to the the kind of the the beauty and the and the uh, the genuineness, if you will, of the character, Batman and DC in general has always been a grittier, darker kind of thing. With the exception of Flash and Superman, and you know, there's a couple of other uh, superheroes or or in there that are kind of fun and lighthearted. Most of DC is darker and gritty, right? So Batman definitely needed to fix that. Captain America didn't need to be fixed. So when you look at because Captain America was always everything about Captain America, even if you go back to the David Hasselhoff movie, yes, the David Hasselhoff movie. It's always been exactly what it was supposed to be looking at the the antithesis of the character, right? Going back to, from what it was when it was written at first to what has been changed to, to all the different modifications, to what Chris Evans was able to do from the CGI of being a little kid from Brooklyn all the way to dancing with Peggy at the end of Infinity, at, at the end of Endgame. So I just, I while I think what Batman was able to do, what Nolan was able to do, should be lauded. And I, I, I admit it's the best, I think it's the best superhero trilogy we've ever had, if not one of the best trilogies in general in cinema we've ever had. But in the same breath, Marvel has done something fantastic that is separate from DC because they didn't have to fix a problem. They created solutions to, to a problem that didn't exist. Right. And I mean, and, and it's a fair comparison. I mean, as far as like, the Infinity War Endgame conversation, which I know we veered away from, and that and that's fine because Ray, you've almost talked me out of the whole comparison in the first place. It's not fair, dog. But but it's not. I will that's, say this: what but, you it's, it's, it, what you're doing is like when the Warriors played the Cavaliers, and it was like four Hall of Famers versus LeBron. Like, come on, dog. Watch it. You watch your goddamn mouth. <laughs> oh, hey, why? Hey, yeah, what are you, you're not wrong. Why'd you gotta go there? You're, you're not wrong. You gotta bring the Cavaliers not, into this conversation. Hey. He, 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 
He's not wrong, man. Like, the Cavs whooped that ass so bad in 2016, they had to call for reinforcements. They had to go get Iron Man to break right. the join in with Captain the America. And, clearly and the says, Do not feed the, the bears. <laughs> Do not feed the bears. And you fucking fed that bear right and there. I will say, I do right. want to talk about. Rod is Thanos before in 2016. We... <laughs> and he snapped his. And got all the damn. He snapped There's his fingers and wiped out half of the Warriors, and that's why they suck now. So, no, Looks like uh, he's done eating. Okay, go ahead. Talking about Infinity War and Endgame, though, just real briefly. Um, has there ever let me let me phrase it this way: Have there ever been a pair of movies like that that have taken you on an emotional roller coaster like those two? Because I don't think so. The more I watch those, the highs and lows that just keep hitting you with. Over the course of what five hours, basically. I mean, it's really a five-hour movie. Um, has there ever been two movies like that that have been placed like that that just bring you? I mean, there's so many moments where you think this is going to work out well, and then you get the rug pulled out of you, and you think, "God damn, they're just they're just screwed." And then something happens, and it invigorates your hope again for a few minutes, only to shit on you again. I the more I watch those two movies back to back, the way that they play on your emotions, um. Dark Knight trilogy notwithstanding, because it doesn't do any, it doesn't do that at all. But those two movies, I, I want to throw this out to you guys, and then we'll call it. But I did want to talk about these two. I, anything like that? Have you guys? I, I can't think back of anything that has ever really done what those two movies accomplished. Tony, you got your hand up. What's up, man? I got two things. One, the original Star Wars trilogy, and two, Fire and Jedi. Yes. Yeah, and, and two. Uh, the entire Police Academy series is just filled with moments like that. It's phenomenal. From episode one to like 13 and a half, I think, it just Steve Gutenberg delivers time and time again. I, I was going to say the scary movie franchise, but I like Police Academy better. Well played. What, what, Who what? made Steve Gutenberg a star? We do. We do. If DP listens to this, he's going to pop for that BT dub. That's for you, DP. I love you, baby. What about the Ernest series? Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> Ernest scared straight. Ernest becomes a superstar basketball player. Ernest saves the nation. Ernest gets elected to president and all the other stuff, right? I want to hear Andrew's Uh-oh. wrong tickle answer here. I know he's got one. Also the Friday series. The only thing I could think of is Kill Bill. Because in Kill Bill, what you have going on is that you have the entire quest of, of her from, from, from Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2. And they just lead right into each other. And they don't exactly do it. But you definitely feel like you've been on that journey. And that journey is sort of going. And while you're going on an upward trajectory, it is very similar, I feel, where there there is clearly a quest. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's also a lot of emotion put into that. And in the final scenes of Kill Bill 2, and even Kill Bill 1, you, you, you feel it. And so that's the only thing that I could think of that almost directly lead into each other and just deliver a massive amount of emotion. And, and the reason why it works is that, because my understanding of uh, Infinity War and Endgame is that they were filmed pretty much as the same thing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is another good one, where all three of those things were pretty much filmed back to back to back. And so that that's the other thing as well. And Kill Bill was filmed at the exact same time too, and that's why those things work really well as far as quested out you know i don't think star wars was filmed back to back to back the same way where it wasn't filmed all as an entity and then edited down um 
but he, even still, I mean, Star Wars is, is great in that regard because it was just perfectly planned. But I think I feel Kill Bill definitely goes on that emotional, apps the emotions really well with what's going on and how things are going up. But like you, you, you get the essence of the feat, and you get you know quest and, and return and backtracking and, and it's give and take and all that stuff. And you also get those moments of funniness in Kill Bill as well. And you get in Endgame and in Infinity Wars. Yep. But Kill Bill yeah, I, the same way as, and, as a, you know, Infinity Bill. I, I apologize, Andrew. I was going to say, like, I threw, you know, just playing devil's advocate, I threw um, Empire and Jedi out there. I mean, number one, I mean, we're 40 years removed from those movies, but, you know, that was that was the MCU 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The emotional roller coaster that those two movies took you on. Oh, shit, that's his daddy. Oh, shit, Billy D sold out his boy. Oh, shit, Billy D came through in the end. Oh, shit, they're brother and sister, and they were making out in the first one. That's kind of weird, but okay, cool. She ended up with Harrison Ford, no one problem. One kiss like, is that, that, not that. making out, man. Jesus. <laughs> but, but all jokes aside, though, man, I think that... Chris Platt uh, Chris, Chris Platt describes blockbuster movie storylines. That's the whole podcast. <laughs> I think I pretty much nailed Empire and, and, and Jedi. Like, but but honestly, though, man, Dave, I agree with you, man. I, I think that, and the reason is why we've all talked about this, man. Story building, like these Infinity Wars and Endgame were the culmination of twenty movies. Yes. It was the culmination of twenty movies and just building that intricate of a universe and literally by the time Endgame was done literally every line no matter how throwaway no matter how insignificant every line got paid off by the end of those two movies and i mean it was it, it, it's brilliant yeah. like this shit, 20, 10, 20 years now they're going to study these movies in college Absolutely. like that's how well done this whole thing was you know yeah andrew made the i mean we've talked about it before iron man character of tony stark pretty much a douchebag in the comics his, and he starts off that way in the MCU, but by the end, here's a guy who was just all about himself at the beginning, at the end, sacrificing himself for everybody else. So that, you know, that you can't, you can't beat that sort of thing. Uh, Patrick usually ends these shows with a question. I've got a question for you guys. Real simple. Here it is. And this ties into the topic. You're stuck on a desert island. You can only watch the Dark Knight trilogy or Infinity War and Endgame. What do you pick? Andrew, you go first. Oh, man. I'm I, 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 Batman, Mark. So, so, so definitely the Dark Knight trilogy, just because I'm a DC guy and I'm a Batman, Mark, and I'm loyal, I'm loyal to the clan. So, so nothing against you know, Infinity War and Endgame, but I'm loyal to, to, to one side over the other. Perfect. Ray, I'm going to kick it to you, man, so you don't have to wait six minutes this time. Thank you for, for thinking about me. Uh, <laughs> Infinity War and Endgame are the better movies, but I'd pick the Dark Knight trilogy only because the Dark Knight trilogy has a pointed beginning, climax, and end. Infinity War is, is, isn't complete if you don't add the other 20 movies in front of it. So I'd rather see that full culmination of a story told from the beginning to the end with uh, the Batman trilogy. And I, too, am a Batman mark. We all are. Christopher Platt, what are you choosing here? You know, this is tough, but Infinity War is my favorite Marvel movie since Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2. I love Batman. I, too, am a Batman mark, but just on how much I love that movie, I, I got to go Infinity War and Endgame here. Tony? 
surprisingly, I'm going to agree with Chris for a different reason, though, because I think there's more stars to watch throughout those two movies, whereas it's kind of centralized a little bit more on one character. Um, I, I know you can compare both that way, but that's where I'm going. I mean, if I really had to break it down, I'd watch What About Bob 24-7, so why even ask me? The, the real fair. answer is try to get your ass off that damn deserted island, right? So, that's true. Well, yeah, that's fair. But that's to be I mean, fair, I mean, Castaway would be the great movie to take for motivation, right? That's funny. But MCU, you got Scarlett Johansson, you got Tessa Thompson, you got uh, Angelica Lily oh, or Lily Angelica. Well, for Chris, we're just gonna boil it down to you as a person. It's jerk off material. That's what you're looking for, hey? Well, I'd much rather jerk off to Scarlett Johansson than fucking um Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll jerk off to Jake Gyllenhaal before Maggie. Shit, the fuck. Wow. Oh, pie face. You got these two powerful ass entities. My bad. We try to wrap it up, man. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna never go there. You just got these two powerful ass men, and 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 they're beefing over Maggie Gyllenhaal's pie face ass. Get the fuck out of here. Takes me out the movie, man. Take the only hole. Because at least Katie Holmes, hey, she can be attractive Chris, in movies. At but least Maggie it wasn't Margot Kidder. At least Come it wasn't Margot Kidder on a bearskin rug <laughs> in Niagara Falls. Oh, that's right. rug. That's right. Do you get that bearskin rug back? Uh, I guess I got to be the tiebreaker here on this whole thing. Man, that's really tough. I'd probably go because I'm a bit of a Batman mark myself and do the Dark Knight trilogy just because I still think that second movie is probably the greatest superhero movie of all time. But that's a really tough choice. Um, you know, maybe buy a bullet and rent a gun, that sort of thing. That might be an option as well. Anyway, look, that's going to do it for this episode. Andrew, before I let you go, man, let people know where can they check out pop anime comics? Of course, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about pop anime comics and then sticking around with us to talk about all these news items, breaking down this conversation that evolved into a Batman conversation here on Batman day week. Sort of that sort of thing, but let people know where can they check out everything you got going on. Uh, yeah, so it's it's quite simple. It's uh, popanimecomics.com is my website, um, and then also just everything is pop anime comics. So I'm at pop anime comics on Twitter, pop anime comics on Instagram, pop anime comics on Facebook. It's the pop anime comics lounge is the first podcast. Uh, the second podcast, conversations in pop culture, is just on my Facebook page. It's on YouTube. Um, and so obviously YouTube is pop anime comics and uh, typically anything with pop anime comics is mine on um, eBay. My eBay store is pop anime comics collectible. Um, so pretty much if you type in pop anime comics, you're going to find me. You're going to find what I do. Uh, all my social media is that, um, a bunch of things that I'm not active on. That name is mine. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, November I'm launching a Kickstarter for season three. Uh, so, uh, it's going to be really exciting and a lot of cool stuff's coming out with that for the podcast. Um, but that'll be on Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, probably if you just type in conversations in pop culture or pop anime comics, it'll probably appear on Kickstarter sometime in November is when we're looking at it. Hopefully November 1st is ideally. So a lot of cool stuff's going on, a lot of fun stuff. And my latest episode actually just dropped today on um, at 12 o'clock. We just recorded an episode. It was live. And I have something on Tuesday, and I have something hopefully on this Wednesday. And I'm usually 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. are usually my two spots that I do during the week. So it can bother me, and all the episodes are up. And if you want to catch up, uh, when Conversations in Pop Culture started, you got 220 episodes to go through, so uh, knock yourself out. Uh, so, so a lot of stuff, and that stuff stays up indefinitely. So uh, 
if you miss it live, you can catch the replay on YouTube or on Facebook. Fantastic, man. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Christopher Platt, the voice of Chair Shot Radio. Where can people check out what you got going on? Because you're all over the place, man. I am. You can um, find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. I'm all over the Chair Shot, man. Monday through Friday, Sunday through Sunday. Actually, you're going to hear my voice and my lovely Better Halves voice all over the Chair Shot. So just holler at me. Go to Chair Shot. I'm going to be there somewhere. But more importantly, I'd be remiss if I did not remind you, if you appreciate the content we provide day in and day out, make sure you support the movement by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot T-shirt. We literally have something for everyone. The ChairShot.com. Remember, we're not just a website. We're a movement. Dave, thanks for having me on, man. I always have a blast when I come on this show. Andrew is a pleasure. Ray, Tunney, y'all already know what it is. This this was great, man. I, I had a I had a ball, and I pray that you listeners have half as much fun listening as we did recording this. Ray, where can people check you out if they're looking for random acts of genocide, man? Just oh my. <laughs> Whoa. So if full circle. For acts, if you're looking for random acts of genocide, you can find me at Killmonger was right. If you're looking for that late night that late night type Twitter handle, follow me at. Maggie Gyllenhaal, Secret Admirer, forty two. Ugh, you, you have to step your your crush game up, bro. Come I on, mean, man. look, get it how you can, <laughs> my brother. But you can find my burner account at it's Ray Cash. That is R E Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in dollars. And of course, I'm doing good rad things with my friends. Naturally, Mr. Tunney, live studio audience. Where can people check you out? You're on the chair shot as much as Mr. Platt, if not more. Yeah, you can holla and follow me at PC Tunny, Twitter and Facebook. And you can find me on a bearskin rug hey. finding anything out about pop anime comics that I can. Hey. Wow. He on a, a bearskin rug eating eating strawberries and cinnamon toast crunch out of Margot Kidder's ass. <laughs> say that. Well, well now that you probably like accept it. Bad thing, man. I'm about to say, have you tried it, Chris? Have you tried it though? Fruit Loops. Replace Margot Kidder with Margot Roby. Now you're on. Okay, to something, then you're okay? talking. There you're talking. Yeah, you can. Yeah. As for me, and Margot Kidder. Yeah. As for me, I'm going to get us out of here before it completely implodes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A G G, and on Facebook.com/slash Attitude of Aggression. Also, make sure you're checking it out. Checking out Bandwagon Nerds on Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. That's going to do it for episode number 97. For all you basement dwellers out there, get out of the basement. Maybe get some sun. Definitely check out Pop Anime Comics. Until next time, that's going to do it here. You've been listening to another episode of Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Sugar, oh honey, honey, you are my candy girl, and you got me wanting you, honey, oh sugar, sugar. Just can't believe the love
more of a Thanos. I take it the Maw is dead. This day extracts a heavy toll. Still, he accomplished his mission. You may regret that. He brought you face to face with the master of the mystic arts. Where do you think he brought you? Let me guess. Your home? like most planets. Too many mouths, not enough to go around. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor wants to murder trillions. With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist, and I call that... mercy. And then what? I finally rest. And watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. The hardest choices require the strongest wills. I think you'll find our will. Equal to yours. Our. Piece of cake, Quill. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.